Welcome back to the Nuts and Bolts Podcast. Today's guest, Seth Arnold with Flex Innovations. We're going to talk about the Aura, how it come about, how to set it up, um, what its purpose is, and just uh, general knowledge or general information about the Aura, I think. so. Anyway, let's go ahead and get into it. Um, so, Seth, do you mind uh, introduce yourself, kind of tell us a little bit about you and uh, your history in the hobby and how you got started, and, and then we'll roll right sure. into the Aura. Sure. So, yeah, um, so my name is Seth, as Clay said there. Um, I work for Flex Innovations, um, do a lot of different, uh, wear a lot of different hats there, but um, been flying about 20 years, primarily in the 3D aerobatic scene. Um, done a lot of competition with XFC and different IMAC and Nationals and Tucson Shootout and all that sort of thing. Um, so just really enjoy that side of the hobby. It's kind of my my forte. I've done a little bit of everything. Uh, I've done RC car racing. I've done gliders. But the 3D aerobatics is kind of more where I focus most of my efforts at. But, um, yeah, so I've been at Flex for about six years now. Um, previously worked for Horizon Hobby for about six years. And, uh, yeah having a good time and uh creating new stuff for everyone yes sir yeah you're a three-time xfc champion yep yep one xfc i believe it was 11 12 and 13 if i'm not mistaken um so uh pretty good little run there for a while and uh was uh happy to make make that happen yeah that's awesome and it's quite a quite a list of accomplishments there you know and then working for horizon hobby and now flex innovations i would say that's uh pretty solid time in the in the industry here yep yep for sure yes sir so jason and i were just talking uh right before the show uh, i've got my co-host uh jason hill and uh michael wyatt here with us today um anyway we were talking a little bit before the show and and jason asked uh actually you go ahead and ask him jason I'll, that way i don't take it from you it was, <laughs> it was a great it was a great question i liked it it's all right uh i was actually just really curious uh, what started the Aura project? Um, the, the need for it, or how did the need arise, and and how did you get started? Sure. So, I mean, a, a little bit of it, I guess, kind of goes back to some of the time when we were at Horizon. Uh, most of us played a big part in the AS3X development there. Uh, but the main the main kind of reason was just we wanted um, a way to try to make airplanes fly better and have um, you know just uh, another thing that we can add to um, our systems that makes the airplanes a lot more fun to fly. You know, we have dual rates and expos and stuff on the transmitters as the transmitters have evolved. And this for us was kind of the, the next thing that we thought we could do to try to help, uh, you know, just create a better flying experience and more fun flying experience. You know, it's uh, not necessarily something that we've come up with to cover up bad tendencies of an airplane. Um, it can help in that area some, but by and large, it's just something you want to add on top of uh, an airplane that's already flying good just to, just to top it off even more, like a little icing on the cake, if you will. But that's really where it kind of stemmed from. Um, you know, we started uh, doing a lot of different things at, at Horizon. Um, but uh, after we all went to Flex, we were like, okay, we think we, we have, we learned from that. We can do a lot of things differently and make things a lot of it, a lot better and prioritize different things with the system. And uh, that's when we all kind of came up with the Aura. Okay, great. Uh, do you, do you happen to remember the first aircraft you flew with it? Uh, with the Aura, yeah. um, I think I think the Aura, the first thing that I flew with it was probably a little, um, uh, I think it was a Parkstone Habu, uh, with little foamies, uh, yeah. what is it, 70 millimeter EDF or whatever. Okay. Um, that was probably the first thing I flew with the Aura. Um, and then from there, we pretty quickly moved into uh, 
a little bit of everything. You know, we were testing, we were developing the extra at the same time. So we kind of had that pretty quickly um, around the same time period too. So, so was the QQ extra the first plane produced uh, as a plug and play with the Nora? Yes. Yeah, so it was actually the second airplane we released at Flex. And that was the very first one. The Ventique was the ARF. That was the very first one that we came out with. And then the QQ Extra is the very first foamy plug-and-play that came with the Aura. And actually, um, that was the way people got their hands on the Aura first was through the through the QQ Extra. Um, we didn't actually have open stock Auras at the same exact time frame that we released the QQ Extra. Nice. Okay. And we know that the QQ Extra has been a huge hit. Um, I even kind of... Uh, Maybe I aggravated Michael over here a little bit with one <laughs> last year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, one of the questions that, that uh, I talked with Josh about earlier this week that uh, kind of pre-discussed with you guys is what uh, what really makes it, you know, the Aura is considered a flight control system or flight stabilization system, rather. Uh, sure. What differentiates a flight stabilization system from a gyro? Sure. So we, we like to call it AFCS is what our system is called, Advanced Flight Control System. Um, and the main reason we call it that is it's not just simply a gyro. We just didn't take a heli gyro and shove it in an airplane and call it good. Um, there's a lot of other things that happened, a lot of which uh, most people don't really even see because it's all um, built into the system. But there's also a lot of other things, too. Um, you know, we, we have all the mixing available inside. It, it works a lot like a channel expander, so you may only use one aileron input from your transmitter, but you actually can run eight ailerons if you want to on the Aura, um, and you don't even end up using eight channels on your transmitter by doing that. Um, so there's a lot of additional things, you know, with the mixing and so much more than just simply a gyro. That That's why we call it a flight control system because it's more than just that simple gyro, if you will. Right. And I think one of the other things that kind of separates it from at least some of the brands is the uh, the fact that it runs with several different transmitter brands. Uh, sure. You know, it works with, uh, I know, Spectrum, Fataba, JR, uh, Gropner, Jetty, uh, FR Sky. Uh, it seems like maybe they're, I may be missing a few others as well, but... Um, that's uh, sure. I mean, one of the yeah, other things it, that really separates it myself. It works with pretty much uh, pretty much everything. I mean, I a couple of years ago, I was at Apache Pass, and then, um, before we went there, I had a little fly-in at a gentleman's property, and I set him up with a 72 megahertz single-stick Fataba radio and set up an aura in his Inversa 33. Um, so you can pretty much make it work with virtually everything. There's some that are a little bit more preferred than others, of course, but we certainly focus on the, on the real... Uh, common ones, you know, like the ones you named off. There are a lot of the popular ones out there. So, absolutely, absolutely. And now, uh, with the development of the Aura Pro, that was uh, just to meet the needs of a high current demand, basically creating taking the Aura Eight a step further and allowing it to have a high current demand. And if I recall, it's it'll handle a, what thirty five amps continuous or something like that. Yeah, I don't remember the exact specs off the top of my head. I know we posted a little video on our YouTube channel and stuff that shows that I think pulling uh, continuous 28 amps 
um, with the system still live and functioning. Um, so you still had control of everything. And, and David's even um, accidentally shorted some servo wires and stuff on the board, and servos catching fire, and the system still <laughs> running. You know, which is just absolutely incredible. But that's certainly the main the main point. Most of those servo cables, if you're powering a receiver or battery. Uh, powering your uh, airplane through that single servo plug cable. They're not really good for much more than three amps, so there's certainly a need for some higher uh, power input um, abilities out there. Um, and that's kind of why we came up with the 8 and 12 Pro. Right, right. Now, on the Pro Series, you got the, the two uh, port, you got port A and port B, where just, or H got port B. What's the purpose of that? So there's a couple different things. Um, the first thing that we wanted to do is a lot of guys running Fataba um, are, try, are setting up airplanes with two receivers in them. They'll a lot of times set up like the left half of the airplane on one receiver and the right half of the airplane on, up on the other. Um, with the Aura, uh, we can basically take both receivers and use them as an input for the control system. And if you lose one receiver, you still have the second one as a backup. Um, that's kind of the primary purpose was to allow that. Um, but we also have the ability to do SBUS out of the Aura. So if you have SBUS servos or if you want to tag on an Aura 8, so you get basically 20 enabled gyro ports out of your Aura 12 and Aura 8, um, you can do that as well. Yeah. Yeah, the options are endless. Jason's he, – he, I didn't know – you may not have heard that before, huh, Jason? It's just a lot of stabilized channels, man. That's a lot of channels. <laughs> yeah. I always tell people, like, I don't know who in the heck needs 20 stabilized yeah. channels, but uh, we can do it. So he, he, he's, he's sitting right here. 20 ailerons for all we care. But, uh, yeah, for most people, they're not going to need that. But it's nice having the ability. Right. Well, and, and that's that brings up a question of one of the things that I get asked pretty commonly is, uh, you know, with a, an aircraft, say, like a more scale aircraft, uh, generally speaking, you would run your landing gear, uh, scale accessories, if you had lights or things like that, uh, you would run that from your receiver and operate it via the transmitter only uh, and keep your flight control services on the Aura. Is that generally the recommendation? I mean, that's if, if you've got plenty of ports available in the Aura and you get got plenty of ports available in the receiver, that's certainly fine. Um, a lot of times we've seen cases where people, you know, have uh, different uh, – options or different receivers some of the smaller photographer receivers like the 2001 sb and stuff don't have a ton of um, ports available in it so a lot of times if you just have extra uh, aura ports available you can still run your retracts or whatever through it um big sense s sends all the data to the aura anyway since all your transmitter channels um so you have the option to use it for either purpose it doesn't have to be gyro enabled but that's kind of the general rule of thumb is if you have the channels available we just usually run them in the receiver but if not you know if you have uh, ports available in the aura you can also put them there too it doesn't really matter too much well and and that actually leads me into another another topic of channels versus inputs versus outputs it's not necessarily they don't all translate to mean the exact same thing right so you can have a uh, let's just take for instance an 8010t spectrum and you can still use channel 10 uh to pass through the aura so the channel 10 coming out of the transmitter going through the aura uh as an input channel right if i'm not messing up the terminology here yeah so i mean a lot of people get a little bit confused with this especially when you start talking some of these are serial receivers and stuff um but with like srxl uh with spectrum um or fataba s plus is very similar um if you've got like a dx18 that you're using and hooking it up with an 8010t in the aura 
Uh, you're going to use one wire to hook it up to Aura, but you'll get all 18 channels from your transmitter into Aura. So while you may not have 18 ports available in Aura to use, um, you can do whatever you want with those 18 channels. So if you want to use one for a mix or something within Aura, you can use it for that. Um, you can do a number of different things with them. So um, that's the beauty of using the Ciro receivers, just having all those extra channels available to the Aura if you want to use them. Um, but you know, just if, even if they're there and you don't want to use them, you don't necessarily have to use them, but you do get all that through that single wire, uh, without a bunch of complicated wiring and everything else. Well, and where I've seen people get confused is they translate channel one as S1, channel four as S4, and that's certainly not the case. Uh, right. Yeah. Channel four it, it kind can of goes be a little anything. bit into like what I was saying earlier about the aura working a little bit as a channel expander. So. While you, if for you spectrum guys, you may have channel one as aileron or uh, channel two as aileron. Sorry, um, you can use one aileron port from your tra- or one aileron channel from your transmitter, but you may actually be outputting four different aileron signals on four different ports of Aura, even though you're only using the one port of the transmitter, the one channel of the transmitter. So you can kind of do, you know, you can do the same thing if you want to do eight ailerons you can use an aura 8 and have eight ailerons come out with just the one single aileron channel from the transmitter so um you all get you get all that through that one wire hmm. well and you know uh, a lot of us uh even Fataba spectrum guys I, I know that the three of us that are sitting here that's our primary radios of choice uh sure you've pretty much flown Fataba the whole time right michael yeah i have primary Fataba. i mean i have a spectrum for the bind and fly plug and play stuff that you know the cheap stuff, but yeah, it's an old DX8. <laughs> yeah. Well, so you're familiar with wing types, and I know Jason's familiar with wing types because, like I said, both brands use that. And when you go into the config tool, it literally has a breakdown of wing types. You know, you just like if you had a DX18 and you went in and you specified one aileron, one flap, or uh, two ailerons, that, that's a wing type in the Aura. Mm-hmm. And it actually lays it all out for you, and you can change the, the order of it or anything. You know, you can add more, whatever you need to do. Yeah. So, in the config tool on the computer too, it's actually pretty. It's laid out pretty simply. It's easy to easy to read and understand. Yeah, it, to me, it's very easy to understand. Um, and actually, I, I thought about. I've got my computer up and running here, uh, Seth. If if you want, what I had in mind was. Uh, I'm just going to run a new Aura config file and uh, just kind of go through it step by step just briefly and kind of ask some questions along the way here. Um, sure. So as it opens up, I'm just going to select uh, Aura 8 Pro so that because uh, I know it's got a few things that the, the Aura 8 doesn't have. And just here on the first page, one of the things that ask, I get asked a tremendous amount is uh, – where do I find generic sport or generic 3D? And that's uh, right here on the first page under uh, gains, rates, and expos. Um, yep. So me yep. being so primarily we, we, a 3D we, we guy. We get a lot of people that, you know, ask us, you know, all the time, like, hey, can I get the config file for the extra and put it in my aura for my extreme flight airplane? Or can I get the Mamba file for my B60 or something, you know? And 
we generally always try to tell people just go go with the generic sports scale or generic 3D because that's a pretty good starting point. Unfortunately, with like using a pre-made model, unless it's the exact airplane with the exact same servos and servo arm lengths and all that, it can wind up actually being pretty different when it comes to Aura. So we always just kind of recommend people start with that generic sports scale. If you got like a Corsair or a Warbird or something, or if you're if you're doing a 3D airplane like an Extreme Flight or Skyling or one of our airplanes for that matter, um, you start with that generic 3D. Um, template and that'll kind of lay out most of the gains and dual rates and stuff for that type of airplane right yeah we actually run the generic sports scale on jason's pawnee the other day and um was that the first order you set up jason or is that maybe the second one technically it was the second that i set up but it was the first one that i flew after being set up okay yeah um so just looking here at this first page another thing that jumps out at me and this is just based off of an experience uh, a month and a half or so ago, is check the orientation. I know we had a guy that missed this part, and he wiped out an airplane shortly after takeoff because the orientation was backwards. So that's always one to, to definitely keep in mind here. Yeah, but, uh, we, we tried to make things as simple as possible so you can't specifically reverse the gyro direction in Aura, but it, but it assumes the direction based on the orientation you set there. Um, and just like a helicopter with a tail gyro backwards, you know, it'll spin out of control or go crazy if it's wrong. So that's why we always uh, have those kind of pre-flight checks before you fly something new, just to double check and make sure all the orientation is set correctly, but also just double check and make sure the surfaces are correct, correcting the right way too. But you can, if you pull it up there, you can see pretty much it. You can mount it in any 90 degree angle. So if you've got an airplane that's got tight on space a little bit or whatever, you can usually find a way to mount it in there. Well, and I've personally run into a, a situation helping the guy out, and he had the rudder reversed in his transmitter, and then mm-hmm. it was corrected in the aura. So when he would move his stick right, it would go right, but the correction direction or whatever the terminology for that is, <laughs> it was going the wrong way. So when the plane was trying to give it a left input, it was giving it a more right input. So it was making it fly very, very funny. And he couldn't figure out why and, you know, got to digging around in the transmitter. It's like, oh, you have it reversed here in the transmitter. This is the problem. So, Yeah, Yeah, I mean, you can imagine, you know, if the airplane, the wind bumps the nose up a little bit and it goes, okay, I need to give it a a correction or bumps the nose down for that matter. I need to give it a little correction. It's like, okay, I'm going to fly up elevator to correct it. And in reality, it comes out as down elevator, and then it sees, oh, there's more down movement. I need to give it more down elevator or more up elevator, and then it corrects down again, and things go pretty south pretty quick when that happens. So it's certainly an important part for everyone to check when they're setting these up. You know, make sure that orientation's set right, and then even after you've done that, when you go to the field to fly it the first time, that's always like the last little pre-flight check before you fly it. Just give the airplane a wiggle, make sure it's all moving the right way, both controls from your transmitter and the gyro direction. Yep. Now... Is this a lot like, so I, my experience hasn't been in a helicopter gyros setting those up. In a helicopter, if you move, let's say, the rudder and the control direction is wrong, when you move the stick on the radio, you reverse the radio. If you, if you move the stick and it's correct, but you move the helicopter and the, the, the gyro correction is wrong, you reverse the gyro. Is that still the same with this? So that, uh- 
that's kind of what I was saying a little bit earlier is Aura doesn't have like a reversing gyro setting. Like you can't just say, okay, reverse pitch or reverse yaw. Okay. Um, it's, it's assumed based on the orientation and the servo reversing you set up on the servo ports tab. So that's why we say no reversing in the transmitter. Um, for most applications, there's a couple exceptions to that, but for most applications, no, just kind of a blank transmitter model and make sure you have that orientation set to match how it's mounted in the airplane. Um, a lot of people also think that it has to be mounted on the CG or uh, near the CG or something, and that's not necessarily the case. You don't need to mount it near the CG. The most critical thing is just that it's mounted on a firm surface so that it's not on a tray that flexes like a little diving board or something like that. But but that's where the gyro direction comes from is that mounting orientation and then your servo reversing on the servo port page. Okay, so you, you basically don't do anything in the radio. You do everything in the board. Okay, pretty well. Well, I'm a, I'm a new to this one. I'm only I've, I launched the setup program like two days ago. <laughs> yeah. So so I know well for sure with Spectrum Fataba because that's my my only personal experience, and some with FR Sky. Casey would have to jump in here would help me with that one. But uh, you run everything in normal. Okay. And if you reverse it, that's what will incorrect. It will. Fool the gyro direction, sure. and then it'll correct incorrectly. Um, if I didn't get way confusing real fast, no, but, it, it makes sense. And then yeah. for troubleshooting, like other people's helicopters, is you know, it's the first thing you check is reverse. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it's, instead of you know, you used to do the airplanes. We would you know before you fly it the first time, you check your control direction from the transmitter. Okay, left aileron gives left aileron, so on and so forth. It's kind of the same thing with this. It's just adding another step to double-check that gyro direction, same as you would with a helicopter before you fly it. Um, just now, um, you know, it's it's a, it's a rate gyro instead of a heading hold, so it works a little bit differently and sometimes a little harder to see, but it's always a good good way to, you know, go about doing it when you first set one up for the first time. Well, speaking of a little hard to see, some, you actually have in the config tool here, uh, a quick check option that uh, mm-hmm. it actually deflects it. Uh, what is it? Thirty degrees or some? It's a large amount, so you can actually see it, and it'll hold it. Just to, that's so cool. if you roll the aircraft to the right, you'll see it give a left input in order for you to for it to correct. Um, yeah, I forget exactly what it is, but it's something like you bank the airplane twenty degrees, and it'll apply like a full or like seventy percent deflection on the surface. That's not really how the airplane's working in the air when it's actually flying, but that's just kind of an easy way to check which way it's which way it thinks it should be applying a correction. Um, once you get kind of pretty good at it, uh, seeing what the movements and stuff is like, it's you can usually tell pretty quick when you look at like a counterbalance on a rudder or something real closely when you move it. You can usually see it pretty quick, but. Uh, for those people that are newer, that quick check is a good way to kind of double check the direction, although it's not exactly how it works whenever it's flying. Right. Now, looking here at the config tool, I see uh, something else that uh, it has at least caused me, you know, when I was new to Aura, it uh, brought up some questions. It says auto detect signal if no signal at power up. Um, there was, a, I believe this is where you turn on auto detect. And your super plug-in plays come with this enabled. And the first receiver that's plugged into it, it automatically detects whether it's a Fataba, JR, or Spectrum. And and it configures the Aura to interpret that data. Uh, And then I've seen guys that would sell the airplane, and the next purchaser had a different brand, and then they plug it in. Oh, it doesn't work. It's like, well, you had to hook it to a computer and go in and tell it that it's now flying on Spectrum or now flying on Fataba. Um, can is there 
anything really more to that that we need to dive into there, Seth? Not really. That auto detect is primarily kind of used in our plug and plays and maybe if you were trying to set an airplane up without the config tool. Um, it's really just to allow an easier way to um, set up the aura for the specific transmitter type. Unfortunately, all the different transmitter types have different center positions, different endpoints, different channel directions. So right aileron on spectrum actually looks like left aileron on Fataba. Um, so there's some weird things like that that we do in the background. One of the little things that um, we do that most people don't see during that auto detect process is kind of resetting all that type of thing up, you know, changes the channel, reversing the center positions, all that. Um, but that's all the auto detect really does is kind of detect what receiver type you're using, set the aura up for you for that particular airplane or application. And, um, and then once it's set up and recognizes the receiver, it'll usually shut itself, shut the auto detect off so it doesn't go into it again accidentally um, when you power it up before you power your transmitter or something weird like that. Right. Absolutely. And uh, the next thing down the list here says quick trim. And uh, David had explained to me, at least briefly, and I, if I recall right, what uh, quick trim actually does is interprets the trims from your transmitter as a stick input and then translates that over to subtrim. Is that correct? So essentially, to kind of take a step back a little bit, the, the transmitter trimmers on your tra- radio and the actual stick movement end up moving the same channel uh, on the transmitter whenever the data comes um, to the receiver or to Aura in this case. So Aura itself can't tell what is stick input that you're giving it or what is actually trim from the transmitter trims. It doesn't know which is which. Um, so part of the way the Aura works, it actually needs to know what the true center stick position is. So if you have trim in your transmitter, it, it doesn't know that that's trim. It just thinks you're holding the stick off center. So um, quick trim basically just learns that new position that your transmitter is holding. Um, so if it's holding 10% right aileron, with the trimmers, uh, Aura will learn that, it'll hold the offset, and then you can return your transmitter trim back to zero. That way Aura sees perfect neutrals. Um, and it has it has um, something to do with the way that the stick priority works and how the gyro um, works as you move the stick. Um, but that's the, that's the main purpose of that, is to try to t- teach Aura the trims, basically, so your radio doesn't have to do it. Um, one of the things that's actually really cool with that is, like, when Kike and I are testing... Um, like, for example, we were testing the Mamba 120 um, a little over a year ago. We actually had two receivers mounted in the airplane. TK flies Fataba, I fly Spectrum. Um, so we actually just mounted up two receivers, a Spectrum for me and Fataba for him. And he would fly at one flight, and uh, we would swap it to Spectrum, switch the uh, swap the cable in the airplane, and then switch the transmitter and receiver types that are on the screen to Spectrum, and I would go fly it. And the beauty of that is... The trims are the same for both of us. We don't have to do any retrimming. All the mixing and everything's the same. And I'm just basically using kind of a blank model, more or less, in my transmitter. So we could do that between, you know, 10 different radios if you really wanted to. So that's the other kind of benefit to that as well. Yeah, and if, uh, I'm sure a lot of people do know this, but uh, Kike flies mode one. So I would imagine yep. that would be a little tricky for you, flying mode two primarily and try to pick up his radio. And I, I couldn't do it. There's no way. Yeah. Yeah, I flew many years ago. I flew a little glider on mode one, and thankfully didn't have throttle because I would have been pulling the throttle back all the time to flare. So um, I wouldn't uh, – I didn't do too well with it. I managed to get it on the ground okay, but I'm not going to fly something like a Mama 120 or a Jet or something mode one for sure. Yeah, and David always takes it a step further, and 
he flies jets on mode one and everything else on mode two. And I'm, yeah, I don't how? Have for, a, the, how? for the most part, David flies, um, kind of, I, I say his like expensive stuff or his really nice stuff will fly mode one because that's what he's most confident in himself with because he learned mode two as a secondary thing. And he can fly like a four channel airplane around pretty good mode two, but, um, he also flies helicopters mode two. So, um, anytime he goes to the field and wants to fly an airplane and a helicopter, he has to ring two radios because he needs a mode two for the helicopter and a mode one for the airplane. So it's pretty funny, but, um, he's obviously managed to be able to fly both modes in airplanes. So yeah, yeah it blows my mind. When my, he told me that, I couldn't believe it. My brain barely works fast enough to fly a helicopter and not think about what my fingers are doing, but then have to think about it. No way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, whenever, uh, I had heard that Kike flew mode one, and uh, he actually has a video out of him doing rolling Harriers with the Mamba one or Mamba seventy, and he's doing everything on the left stick, and and he's just making up a circle, like uh, you know I've heard him call it stirring the pot, you know, and like wow that that doesn't look too bad on mode one. I wish I knew how to fly on mode one. It reminds me of like doing like like uh, pirouetting flips with a helicopter in mode two because you kind of make the right stick go in a circle. It's kind of the same thing with the left stick for him and rolling harriers. But if he was to try to do the pirou flip thing with a helicopter mode one, he would be doing the same thing we're doing mode two with rolling harriers. So it's uh, it's pretty funny. So that the orb that I used to fly for the thunder, it was a uh, mode four actually. Holy cow! So yeah, I fly everything on mode two, but then when I went to work. And I'm trying not to hit people with the aircraft. <laughs> I was actually flying on more, mode four. Yeah. What was the purpose for that? It's just the way it came set up. Oh, geez. I'd have to be figuring out how to unchange or change that. Yeah, we tried it once or twice, but the way that thing was programmed, it was kind of deep to, to actually change it. Yeah. But now I understand why Clint said it was hard to fly. I was just busting his balls because he don't fly enough. Yeah, it took some getting used to. Okay. So what's mode four? No, mode one and mode two. Mode is. four is the rudder and ailerons reversed. Okay. Yeah. That might not be too hard. To, it just took getting used yeah, to it. Yeah, I mean, you might be able to get used to that, but the whole getting the throttle and everything changed around, there's no way. Yeah. I couldn't do it. Yeah, it, it's definitely different for sure. Yeah. Well, uh, I have a question on the tr- on the trim, though. So let's say you brand new model, set up, you go fly, you end up putting trim in it on the radio to get the fly nice. Do you come back and actually make your physical changes to the radio to the aircraft to get it recentered or does the aura not care uh, so you can do you can do one of two things you can uh, either fly it trim it with your radio and then kind of note where the surfaces are and then center the trims on your transmitter and mechanically trim them with the linkages or whatever right um, or you can do that quick trim where you uh, basically just teach aura the trims you can do that through the config tool or with a bind plug um, in s3 of the aura um, there's a little uh power up sequence that you use um to do that a little flash of light that kind of confirms that it's safe and everything but um you can do it either way most people uh that do use aura just use the little uh bind plug quick trim method just because it's pretty easy to do with the field after a first flight or a couple flights or whatever yeah okay well and that's on the aura 8 uh the the pros and then the aura 5 light both have buttons on them so they've they've actually simplified it on the later generations of aura to where you don't have to use a bind plug, but there is a process that you can look up on the wiki page or in one of the manuals and explains how to do that. Yep. So, yeah, it's actually quite easy. I've had a, quite a few guys that 
the first few or three or four times you do it, you might have to look it up. But after you've done it a few times, like, oh, this ain't too bad. You know, it's it's pretty quick. Yep. Um, so, you earlier you you hit on something that uh, has always been something that uh, I don't fully understand, and I've been asked about it. Um, I understand it enough for my own purposes, but I don't understand it enough to really know how it affects the way the aircraft flies or what to tell people. Stick priority, I think, is a, mm-hmm. a question that gets asked quite a bit. Uh, explain stick priority, what it does, kind of how to set it up, how it can affect the aircraft, and so on. Sure. So it's a little bit hard to describe without having some kind of visual aids, but I'll do my best uh, to kind of give you guys an idea. But essentially stick priority um, gives the stick movement that you give it priority over the gyro correction. So the gyro doesn't override your stick movement. Um, and essentially what well, the way it works is as you move the stick away from center, the gyro gain slowly decreases until you reach wherever the value you have set in the in the aura is. Um, by default, most of the time it's a, it's about a hundred percent, which is basically full stick travel. So at neutral stick, you'll have whatever gain value you have set. At half stick, you'll have half of that gain value, and at full stick, you'll have zero gain. So anytime you move the sticks. Um, the airplane is very free. It moves and feels natural. But at center stick, you have the assistance, the correction, everything that you want. Um, that value uh, can be adjusted up and down as you want. So like I said, I, kind of typically like our uh, wizard there will give you about 100% stick priority um, for 100% dual rate. So at full stick, it's off. Half stick, it's half or whatever your gain is. And center stick, it's full gain. But you can also reduce that value. Um, and, and make the shutoff closer to center stick. And a lower stick priority value will make the airplane feel more free. Um, feels like it's uh, a little bit, has a little bit of sense of like less expo, but it's not exactly the same as that. The best way I could describe it is kind of a free feeling. Um, it wants to do a little bit more. Um, it doesn't feel like it's latching or anything from the um, gyro system. And a lot of, I say, more experienced like aerobatic guys typically prefer a little lower stick priority. Myself, I usually prefer a lower stick priority value. Um, and um, on the opposite end of the spectrum, a lot of scale guys like David with his big scale jets and stuff, they prefer a higher stick priority value. So um, that tightens up the feel of the airplane. You know, if you're coming in for that scale approach and you don't want that airplane to move, you want the thing to be rock solid, a little higher stick priority is going to make it feel a little more dead to you around the center, but it's going to make it more, much more kind of locked in and a little a little more damped, I guess, if you will, um, whenever you're whenever you're keeping the stick around neutral or moving it even a little bit off center. Um, but for the most part, um, we have a couple of different methods now on the config tool as far as the stick priority type, but um, the general rule of thumb is just match whatever your dual rate value is. That's usually a really good starting point. So if your dual rate value in Aura is 50%, then set up the stick priority to 50%, and that's kind of a good starting point. If you fly it, feel like you want it to be more free, reduce the stick priority, and that'll get you going the right direction. Okay. All right. Well, the next one I see here is bounce back gain. And uh, bounce back gain hasn't always been there since I've been running the auras. Uh, that was something that you guys added uh, after I had started using them. And what's its purpose and uh, kind of how does it function? Sure. So it's a little, some of these, like the, like the bounce back gain, are a little kind of 
difficult to describe exactly how they function, but um, essentially once you get the, the, the primary gain, the rate gain up close to the max that you can run for that airplane, if you kind of stick slam or kind of move the sticks pretty aggressively and move back to center, sometimes you start to notice the airplane kind of do a little bounce, like when it returns to center, like it kind of overshoots and then comes back to its position. Um, and a lot of times, in my opinion, that's that's when you're starting to get maybe a little too high gain, and you may actually see that bounce before you actually see, like, oscillation on the surface. But if you run a little bit of bounce back gain, um, you can also um, usually run the, the regular gain a little bit higher because that bounce back will actually help prevent that bounce from occurring. Um, and the way it works is just more or less it kind of reduces the gain, the regular gain, as the airplane kind of approaches its destination point, wherever that is in the roll or pitch maneuver or whatever that you're doing. Um, but it just kind of helps fix that bounce if you got the gain a little high, um, if that makes sense. Right. Yes, sir. Well, I think now we're getting a little bit maybe tech heavy here, but what uh, kind of how do you guys go about writing code, testing, uh, as far as from a, a teamwork standpoint? Uh, I know there's a there is a team. It's not just one guy that does all this. And uh, kind of how do you guys go about developing setups? Uh, because I, I think one of the misconceptions is is you guys don't you. You have setups for your super plug-and-plays and all the planes that Flex produces, but you also have some setups for non-Flex airplanes that come built into the config tool. And kind of how do you go about developing that and making it user-friendly for the general public? You know, uh, like you mentioned a minute ago, that you you tend to like a lower stick priority being a 3D guy. But uh, somewhere in there, you guys had to make a decision on, well, this is going to work for most people. Um, sure. It, so, I mean, uh, you know, I kind of describe it a little bit like with the, the plug-and-play airplanes. So I think it works pretty well for kind of most applications. But a lot of times, you know, Kiki is working on a project, um, you know, call it the Mamba 60, for example. And he'll be flying it, tweaking the airplane and setting it up, of course. Um, but after he's pretty happy with the airframe design, he'll usually start working on the Aura program. And he'll kind of get it set up uh, where we're in a place where he thinks it's pretty good for the average guy. And, of course, we have, you know, such a wide variety of people to fly the product. It's, it's always hard to get it perfect for everyone. And, and that's part of the reason we have the option to, you know, be able to adjust it for everyone with the config tool. So if you don't like it, you can get in there and adjust it yourself, too. But um, he'll usually try to get it to a place where he's pretty happy with it, thinks it's a good spot for the average guy. And then once he has it where he likes it, he'll have me come out of the field with him and I'll put some flights on it and give him my thoughts and my feedback on kind of how it feels to me, my preferences versus his preferences. And we can kind of discuss a, a good middle ground there. And oftentimes we'll do the same with David or Josh or whatever too. Um, just to try to get a good variety of people flying it with different styles and preferences and tastes. Um, and then we kind of try to just come more or less to a middle ground. You know, a lot of times, like for me, I tend to prefer pretty high rates and pretty sensitive controls. And um, not everyone likes that. You know, that we have a lot of newer pilots that fly our stuff, you know, second or third airplanes for them. And they probably shouldn't be flying what I'm flying as far as rates and expos anyway. So uh, we try to find that middle ground for everyone by passing the airplane around, passing the setup around, off our own suggestions and stuff. And that's usually kind of how we develop the program for the plug and play. Um, similarly for like the, the generic 3D program, for example, that was kind of a derivative off of the extra 300 program. Um, so we kind of tweaked a few things in there and then we loaded it into a few local guys, different extreme flight and other various airplanes that we had uh, the ability to put it in. 
and, and test there. And um, occasionally we've had, you know, different airplanes like Turbo Bushmasters and stuff that we've set them up in customers' airplanes. And we always kind of like to save the files just as a reference point for us in the future if we're trying to set something up that's similar or, or have a customer with an airplane that's similar for that matter. Right. And I think that's maybe where the generic live wing came from, right? Was uh, yeah, exactly. You know, uh, we Joe, who's uh, our, our the main software guy that does all the programming for the Aura, uh, he's out in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, but we were out for the Arizona Electric Festival one year, and I helped someone set up a, a Turbo Bushmaster, and um, we basically kind of modified the Cessna program to make it work in the Turbo Bushmaster, and then I put a test flight on it for the customer to kind of fine-tune it a little bit, and that's kind of more or less what the live wing kind of evolved from was kind of a combination of that Bushmaster and Cessna program, if you will. Yeah. Now, you mentioned Joe, and Joe's kind of the – I always think of him as the the man behind the curtain to a point because you know he's not on social yep. media and not usually most people don't know Joe who Joe is but uh, Joe writes all the code correct and he's yep. kind of the main one of the main forces behind the the back end what makes it work and is that correct. Yep, yep. So Joe does a lot of the software. He's the one that writes the code for the Windows program, the Auras, um, all of our plug-and-play airplanes. He does all the code for all the Auras and those. Um, he's a pretty uh, pretty genius guy and comes up with some pretty crazy ideas and stuff sometimes, and it's good having him having somebody like that in, in our corner. And uh, he's a really smart guy, but he's also really good at kind of dumbing things down because I'm pretty dumb myself. So it's always good to have somebody like Joe make it a little simpler for me to understand and, and figure out and um, you know, a lot of times KK or myself will have this crazy idea. Oh, what if we try this? You know, and he'll be like, no, that's dumb. We can't do that. Or he'll be like, oh, I think I can make it work or whatever. So he's pretty cool to work with. He used to do a lot of, uh, software for, um, ballistic missiles going to space and stuff for different companies. So he's a pretty, uh, pretty good dude when it comes to that software stuff. Yeah. I actually met him at Joe and all, uh, 2019 at the flex booth and, uh, it was whenever the uh, external sensor wasn't uh, – it hadn't been released, at least on the Internet. Uh, the Aura Pro was brand new, and I'm looking over into David's F-16 and just studying it, and Joe comes over and he says, hey, you got any questions, you know, just whatever you need to ask. And I'm looking around, and I see that external sensor, and I, what's that? And uh, <laughs> he kind of lit up a little bit, and and uh, he got to talking about the external sensor which is a primarily a turbine thing. Uh, Jason, that would be something that you'd be interested in if you go that route. But anyway, he, uh, Joe got to talking to me and great guy. And, uh, one of the things he said was that, uh, he will, uh, try to trick Kike or Seth every now and again and put something in there. And they, he, his words were, I'll change stuff just to see if they can really tell it. And, we don't know what you changed, but you did something. Put it back. <laughs> so, uh. yeah, yeah, it's pretty funny. He'll he'll do some things like that just to mess with us. He's like, I think this will be better for the code, but it may hurt the flight performance or something. But he usually won't say anything just to get a true opinion from us. And I'll be like, Yeah, I don't know what you did, but it's messed up now. So um, put it back. Put it back the way it was. But a lot of times he comes up with something too, and. Uh, it's like, holy crap, Joe, I have no idea what you just did, but that's way better than it was. So he gets it on both sides too. But, yeah, yeah. He's, a, he's a pretty good dude. Yeah. yeah. He's he's definitely interesting to talk to. It's blind testing with a control. That's <laughs> I like it. It's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. 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 Well, speaking of the external sensor, 
we've got Jason here. He flies turbines. Uh, we you've got at least one flying, or you have two flying. Ah, uh, just one. Just one, and then yeah. you got two else on the bench. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, kind of. Uh, what's the external sensor about, Seth? Yeah, so um, in a lot of different testing, um, we've kind of learned over over time, and there's some some uh, articles and different things you can find online about it. But um, uh, we found that uh, tr- turbines and different turbines have different levels of it, but they basically um, cause uh, more or less uh, interference with uh, gyro chips. Um, a lot of those gyro chips kind of vibrate or hum at a little frequency, and um, they disrupt that, and that causes some pretty weird things to happen whenever that gyro gets distorted. So um, essentially what we've done is come up with a, a way to f- prevent that from happening with the turbines, um, and um, that's where the external sensor comes in. Um, and we put the sensor in a little in its own little box to help protect it from that, shield it from that, and uh, it runs and connects to the aura, so it's completely separate from the internal internal unit and the main purpose of that is just so you still have access to all your servo pins and servo plugs out of the aura but the sensor itself is uh you know put away and protected from the from the turbine um in our different testing we've we've had pretty much all gyro systems suffer from this so it's not just an aura specific thing um everyone that we've tested has had very similar problems so some turbines are worse than others uh with it some turbines and some setups you may not even notice any issues at all but uh, we wanted to have that option there for those guys that that do run those turbines that tend to be a little more prone to that to that noise or interference okay that's interesting it's not and correct me if i'm wrong but it's not electronic noise it's acoustic noise so. Yeah, it's basically a yeah, it's an acoustic noise that's that's causing it. So uh, we've got a little box we create that helps protect it from that, and yeah. um, that helps uh, you know prevent that from entering the gyro chip itself and causing some weird gyro corrections and different things. Um, you know, in our testing, we've had some airplanes do some pretty crazy things. Um, even just on the ground, we've had uh, a jet flip upside down with thrust vectoring because of uh, that that noise with you know even with different gyro systems. So. Um, it's uh, pretty bad when it, when you find one that's really bad, but with that uh, protective chip, that that pretty much solves the problem. So, when you have that hooked up, does it bypass or basically uh, deactivate the internal chip? It, it doesn't necessarily deactivate it. Um, we keep the the internal chip as a backup, more or less. And there's different settings in the config tool that you can select different like fail-safe options. Like, for example, if the external sensor comes unplugged from the main unit. Um, what happens at that point? You can select what the options are, and you know a couple of those options just for reference are to use the internal chip anyway. Maybe your airplane's not as bad, and maybe you have some kind of heavy, nasty scale airplane that isn't the best at landing, and you want you'd rather have the take the risk of having a little bit of noise come through, but you want the gyro on landing, or you can set it to fail safe so it doesn't use the gyro at all and just shuts the gyro off and only outputs the servo signals. So um, you can do a number of different options with that, um, but that that internal chip of the main unit is still there and still usable if you want to use it. Uh, it just depends on what you still want to select. Mm-hmm. So, go ahead. I, I've got a question that's going to, I realize the answer is going to be subjective, but that's fine. I, I, w- I want your opinion. Uh, I actually have, I, so I've flown in at least two different R's, the eight and the five on, one is on a aerobatic aircraft, the other is on a scale aircraft. They both work great. And I also have a turbine that currently has a Cortex, and it also works great. My question is, what are the pros 
versus the cons. What do you like more about the Aura as opposed to some other systems? Yeah, I think I think the number one thing overall for me is uh, configurability, like the adjustability of it. You pretty much have control of virtually everything in the system. Um, if you want to change the gains, the priorities, you know, we can get into some pretty crazy stuff. But um, you can run basically two gyro systems at the same time with one Aura. Um, whereas other systems, you have to use two separate gyro units to do that. You know, okay. Cortex, for example, you'd have to buy two three hundred dollar units to run two gyros when the standard Aura eight at a hundred bucks can do that. Um, so this, I think overall for me, it's the, just the adjustability, um, and because of that, there's also a little bit of a feel portion to that too, where you can set it up to feel the way you want it to feel. Um, but that's really the main thing for me is just that you know tunability for your own personal taste, if you will. Okay, that makes sense. I've I've heard people say that. Um, the aura is great and and i agree I, I like it and i've also heard the same people say that the cortex they felt like they were fighting it well i've never felt that um sure it, i've flown uh, my aircraft personally has one and like i said i've flown maybe one other aircraft that had one and i've never felt it personally but like i said to me both systems feel good i haven't i, I haven't had a bad experience with either one so Sure. I think like with Aura, a lot of people um, are a little overwhelmed at first just because there are so many options to change in so many different settings and people kind of get overwhelmed by that. Um, you know, but for us, it's like we want to have that ability for people to be able to adjust and tune to their preference, you know, so we'd rather, you know, make it a little maybe more complex than it really could be. Um, you know, we could dumb it down as simple as being here's the unit, stick it in your airplane and go fly it, you know, but yeah. it's like, yeah, you're not going to probably have it set up the way you want and it's going to fight you or it's going to feel weird and different things we'd rather just have that kind of adjustability and tunability in there even if it is so maybe a little more complex or a little more overwhelming absolutely yeah. well and to add to what you're saying jason uh you know recently i sold that pau to cory mathern and i had an aura in it and he said oh you can keep that i don't want it i don't like auras and i said okay that's fine and uh anyway he he bought the airplane flew it loved it and I believe Casey let him fly the OMP Edge that has an aura in it. He's like, man, this thing flies great. You know, what's different? Well, basically what we what we were able to figure out is the OMP Edge and then my aura set up on the PAU was just the generic 3D profile with very little changes in it. And we left it alone. And whatever Corey had flew before, it had to have been a setup issue because now he loves them. You know, he's he's had several auras since then. And he said, man, these, these fly great. I had a really bad first experience, and therefore I didn't think I liked them until I learned, like, no, I just flew one that was poorly set up. Yeah. And, and maybe the Cortex, you know, the guy that you were talking to, maybe that's what it was. He flew one that was poorly set up, and you just got yours right. That's possible. Yeah. You know, I think I think a lot of times I'll hear guys that say, well, I don't like the way the aura feels. It's well, maybe you like a looser airplane, like Seth mentioned them earlier. Yeah. You know, and maybe it's a little bit too robotic for them. You know, and they need a little bit looser setup. Um, that's that's what I personally like about it is it is so adjustable. Um, but yeah. also, I like yeah, the I mean, fact that I can just load generic 3D and hey, this works great for me. <laughs> you know, it's easy. Yeah. So now, Michael, you were over here thumbing through the website a little bit yeah. and. Because I'm so I'm still pretty new. I mean, I've got two, but both of them still aren't. I bought one from you. Yeah. And then I won one at the Funfly. Oh, you did. Yeah, I went. I got picked was, at the Baxter Funfly. Oh, the Baxter was yeah. it a five or an eight? An eight. Okay. I got an eight. Oh, wow. 
Um, I had a choice between five and eight, and I was like, I'll just take another eight. Because <laughs> I've got Terry's plane. She's got the Trent Palmer, uh, the Freedom Fox. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to forget about that. Aura. And I'm going I'm to put an aura in that, and I bought her um, a new radio. What's that radio with the... The Radio Master. Oh yeah, the uh, TX sixteen. TX sixteen. I bought her that, so I'm gonna run that. They were in that in there, and then I bought the uh, Draco, and I'm gonna put the Aura eight in Draco with a Fataba radio. Yeah. So we were talking right before we started this call. The only thing I'm gonna miss out on is the reverse thrust, mm-hmm. but I'd have missed out on that anyways because I have an old DX eight. I mean, I'm not gonna buy all new Spectrum stuff just to get. Reverse thrust, <laughs> yeah, right, absolutely. <laughs> so, I, and, I'm anxious to see that because I, I actually saw my first Draco uh, last weekend, and he was flying it on Spectrum. So, yeah. I'd like to see how uh, AS3X versus Aura in the same aircraft, you know, actually does. So, in you know, I have nothing against AS3X. I've flown them, um, but I I knew that that thing was probably a little over. Over programmed for that thing with the reverse thrust. The, the, I, I may be completely wrong, but I'm like, I'm going to put it on Fataba because I want to fly it just yep. like an airplane. Right. So. Well, you get the Draco and then we'll stole a contest with my RV8. And All right. <laughs> yeah, this. I, I'm sorry, Michael. It's not going to be a fair fight. <laughs> nah, it never is, but it's all right. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah. No, uh, and while you were thumbing through there, uh, I noticed the Aura 5 Lite. Uh, Seth, how did you guys get partnered with Flight Test on the Aura 5 Lite? Uh, I mean, really, it kind of started with us uh, going to one of the earlier uh, Flight Fest events up in Ohio. Um, we, we went up there and hung out with those guys and got talking about different stuff. And, you know, we stuck a couple airplanes in Josh Bickler's hands and his boy's hands and a couple of the guys there. And they're like, wow, this, this really flies well. And we got kind of talking and chit-chatting. And, you know, they do a lot of different STEM programs and stuff with some of their airplanes and things. And and a lot of it came, you know, back to a lot of those guys, a lot of the, the kids and stuff that are flying their airplanes and stuff. Once they get the airplane in the air, they're usually pretty successful at uh, flying the airplane around. But... You know, half the time they have trouble with hand launching it or just getting it off the ground for that matter. And so we kind of got talking. It's like, you know, let's, let's, let's do a, a mini aura for, for, um, you know, their customers. And, you know, obviously our, we can, we can use it as well for us for smaller airplanes and things. And then we got to talking about adding that launch assist and, and all those other different features. But, um, it was one of those things where it was just kind of a, a meeting in the minds and we started having all these ideas pop up and bouncing stuff off each other and the or five is kind of what evolved out of that so um, that's more or less how it started but uh, those guys are really awesome to work with josh and the whole crew is uh they're uh pretty intelligent dudes and just enjoy the hobby so that's really cool too yeah now one of the things that i've not really understood yet um whenever you run in the or config tool because uh an example would be we put uh an or five in jason's uh, Pawnee. Yep. And in that Pawnee, uh, you don't have the same profiles necessarily as you do if you run uh, an Aura 8 or an Aura 8 Pro, 12 Pro, exam- you know, and so on. Mm-hmm. When you, uh, like right now, I'm going to go through it. And it says, what product are you using? Uh, it just says flight test or piranha. Um, so I, I click on flight test here. And then under uh, airframe, 
it uh, it gives me three or well, four options: custom, flight test, simple scout, twin sparrow, and versa wing. So you guys have a few airframes already preset up here. If yep. I go into custom, uh, I've got uh, flight test, sport, three D, and speed. Now, are the sport and the three D essentially the same as generic sport, generic three D on the eight? They're just simply called flight test, or is there actually some some minute differences between those? There, there's some very, very, very minor differences, but by and large, that's basically the exact same thing as the sport scale and, and generic 3D files. Um, we tweaked them just a tiny bit, but uh, by and large, it's pretty much the same exact thing. Um, the biggest, the biggest difference is the ability to add the, the level assist to them. Really, that's the biggest uh, change. But you know, obviously, with working with flight tests, we wanted to add some of their popular airplanes from the different airframe types there. But as far as the custom stuff goes, that's it's basically the same thing. Gotcha. Now that Pawnee is not a small airplane. No, it's not. It's a Hangar so, Nine Pawnee. Yeah. So what would what would keep you from putting an Nora Five and something like you know the Mamba? One thing that's yeah, you wouldn't want to run gas, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was there is there any reason not to put the the uh, RF5 in a larger airplane? I think is the question, yeah, yeah. The the biggest thing, the biggest thing overall is is the receiver you use to connect to it. Um, outside of that, you can really put it in any size airplane that you want gas, glow, electric, turbine, doesn't really matter. Um, but the biggest thing is the receiver choice you use. Um, you wouldn't want to use just like a single spectrum satellite on a, you know, a quarter scale cub or something. Yeah. Uh, you want to go with a traditional receiver like an 8010T. But outside of that, there's no real reason why you couldn't put it on something larger. Um, just, just the receiver choice is all. Well, one, one thing I would say is just running out of ports. Yeah. I mean, yeah, for, for something like that, but I didn't know if it was, if it didn't like, you know, gas airplanes because of vibration or something like that. Or. Yeah, that's kind of why I say like the quarter scale cub. It's like, you know, yeah. you got two aileron servos, one elevator, one rudder or something. You know, it's like you got four ports plus your throttle. That's the or five will work perfectly fine in that type of application, you know, okay. um, because it's got enough ports for it. Obviously, the ports is a, is a limitation as well. But um, anything you want to put it in, you can pretty much put it in. Yeah, it's it's working great on the Pawnee. I, the main reason I got it was to help smooth out the, the – uh, I put a spray system on the Pawnee, and I wanted to smooth out the low-altitude, high-speed passes. Um, with our typical Oklahoma weather, I was bouncing around quite a bit, trying to make a high-speed pass as low as possible. So, uh, And it sure. did help out it, uh, <laughs> quite a bit, actually. It's pretty nice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's awesome seeing that plane come by low and slow. And, and then you get a nice, refreshing smell across the runway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So does the Aura 5 have the, you said something about auto level. Mm-hmm. Is the Aura 5 the only one that has that? Yeah, so it's, it's, um, it's one of the one area where we divert a little bit from like the total, like, uh, unobtrusive feeling that the Aura has. Um, obviously the level assist is basically a, a bank limiting system, so you can't bank past a certain angle and when you center the stick, it levels itself to upright. Um, so the, obviously that's very obtrusive. It doesn't fly normal in that sense. Sure. But, uh, a lot of the flight test guys, you know, they're wanting to get a lot of their customers, um, or newer pilots or newer people wanting to get into it and get into flying. And so that's kind of where that level assist comes into play is it helps those kind of newer people that maybe don't have a local field or something that they're, um, able to go to to learn to fly in a traditional sense can have some success with uh with using that level assist uh, and for that matter even if you're you have more experience you can always have that 
option there and for some reason you get in trouble you can always flip to that uh switch position or whatever and it'll kind of level the airplane and ride itself too well and my personal favorite feature that the aura 5 light offers that uh the 8 and the 8 pros and all those don't offer is the launch assist so i actually my first experience with the aura 5 was in my lanes planes cuda and if you've ever flown one of those you know there's guys out there that love them and and, and i don't dislike mine uh, I, I like Lane a lot more than I like my Cuda, and I'll be honest. But uh, with that being said, uh, I put the War 5 in it, and it became a much more enjoyable airplane because my the thing I disliked about the Cuda was launching it. It's not an easy airplane launch. It likes a lot of speed at takeoff. And I always had to have an assistant, someone that, well, two things, someone that I trusted to throw it, and then some, you know, <laughs> someone, period, and someone that I trusted. Um uh, because it doesn't like a lot of angle as well. If you try to hand launch it too steep, uh, it'll snap and, and it'll crash and, and it's done it a bunch of times and it's broke because of that. But with the Aura 5 Lite, I put it in a launch assist and it's totally hands off. You know, I, I run it up to full power. I launch it myself. It establishes a, a climb out angle and, uh, and then I'm able to let it climb out to a safe altitude. Then I give it an input and then I fly it. And it feels perfectly normal. It feels like a smoother version of what the CUDA did without it. Don't let Larry launch your planes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think old Doc had a bad day on that one. Yeah. He gave it the old T-Rex arm throw on that one. So maybe I need to get an Aura 5 for Terry's Kit Fox then. Trent Palmer uh, Kit Fox. So she's new. Well, maybe. Maybe not. Um, I... Where I would say you absolutely need a Aura 5 light is on wings. If you're okay. going to put one on something that you have to hand launch, you definitely want a 5 light because that, that well, I was also launch. thinking about the, the wing leveling and stuff for somebody that's brand new. Yeah, you could do that. Yep. Which I don't mind buying. I mean, they're cheap enough, so. Right. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we're not talking a $300 flight controller here. We're talking a $50 flight controller. Yeah. So. Right. That, that was why I didn't mind throwing one at the Pawnee. And yeah. it, it was absolutely worth it. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, like I said, my experience with them has been in that Piranha. And, Jason, you've seen how that went. That's That thing's amazing. Um, and then the, the Cuda, it, it really helped those out tremendously. So, uh, I don't personally fly wings that much, but I've enjoyed those two. And, but uh, I haven't played around with the level assist. So, if you get one of those, Michael, no. uh, I want to play around with it. <laughs> All right. No worries. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, well, uh, what do you guys, uh, we got any other questions for Seth? I know it's getting a little late there in, uh, south of Florida. They, uh, they're a little bit ahead of us, so. Uh, any, any plans for helicopters? Well, Josh is a big heli guy himself, so if we if it was to, if we had it Josh's way, we'd probably have ten helicopters by now. But uh, <laughs> uh, at this point, there's no real plan to do that. Our you know our primary guys are airplane guys, and well, that's kind of our core customer at the moment. Not to say that that you know will never happen, but by and large, we're pretty big airplane guys at heart, so we'll probably pretty stay stay pretty well focused on the airplane stuff. Yeah. Well, that that leads to another question: Are there any more iterations currently in the works? 
we never have anything in the works ever. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, we, we're always working on stuff. Now I mean, we can talk about new releases. We're going to be announcing later this year. That'll be pretty cool. We're pretty excited about. Um, but um, yeah, we're always working on new stuff. So okay, you know, if I were to count, we've probably got ten or fifteen different things in the works at the moment. So uh, yeah, always, always uh, some pretty cool stuff in the works, and and uh, you guys will probably see a few more things come out later this year. Nice. All so, right, yeah. I'm definitely looking forward to something. It's always cool, you know. It's always something fun and, and cool and good to get to play with every now and again. So, yeah, for sure. All right, all right. Order five light is ordered. Done, <laughs> done, done. <laughs> nice. Well, guys, unless you guys have got any other questions, I say we take a break and uh, then old Seth can call it a night. All right. Nice to meet you, Seth. Thanks, yeah, sir. Nice to meet you guys. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. You bet, yes, sir. Thanks for coming on and. We'll talk with you later. All right. Take care, guys. Thanks. You too. I think we have to have our producer actually, like, put us on a break, right? (laughs) Yeah. So Casey says I hit the space bar. We're going to take a break, guys. Welcome back to the Nuts and Bolts Podcast. And bolts. We got Casey Davis back with us now. Second half of the show. It's about to go downhill, fellas. I can already tell. Well, at least it won't be a dumpster fire of a show. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> if we don't have to call Literally. the fire department, it's an improvement. Man. Yeah. Uh, dude, so Jason, as soon as I pull up, he's like, look at what's on the side of it. Yeah. <laughs> what does it say? What happened to Jesus or something like that? Oh, man. What have you done with Jesus? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I saw the same thing. I was like, is this a sign? Uh, <laughs> on the dumpster that's obviously been burned. <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, go look up Casey Davis's live video <laughs> from... Uh, what was that, Friday? I would the, bet that everyone that listens to this show probably has already seen that video. Yeah, Friday, June 18th, live. It was a literal dumpster fire of a show. <laughs> and after I went live, I was like, maybe I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> oh, no, it was awesome. Oh, man. I figured out this uh, week, you are who you hang with, apparently. <laughs> you know? That's yeah. a good time. Yeah, absolutely. And we, me and Casey figured out that we're pretty good at riding the fence. Yeah, so that's why we catch the brunt of both sides. We're easily approachable. You can come to me and be like, "Hey, man, what about this? And why? Not, why is that?" And I'm like, "I don't know." And they're like, "Hey, man, you guys sent her a little too hard there." And they're like, "They ain't no you guys." Yeah, I might have been in the group, but I wasn't sending it like that. <laughs> yeah, uh, guilty by association, man. Absolutely. Your only guilty thing is you did bring the PA last weekend, right? But. Yeah. I don't know, man. No more PAs at uh, flying events. I can tell you that right now. Not mine, anyway. I'm not in charge. Not in control. Yeah. What happened that, I mean, seemed like a normal, everyday fun fly when I was there? Well, apparently people (laughs) like to sleep at midnight, and Ah. we don't. I mean, I don't know why you show up to an event to sleep, but, you know. And, I mean, if I'm flying a 100cc plane at night under spotlights, I want some banging loud music, man. I mean... Well, yeah. Maybe I'm different than everybody else, though. But I'm okay with it. You know, I understand. I mean, yeah. I saw their point of view. I get it. Yeah. Yeah, I went to Urcha a long time ago. You know, a thousand registered pilots. You don't sleep. I mean, there's helicopters flying all night. Long. So, 
Gerald uh, went with Renee, uh, what was that, 19, I think, maybe? And he told me, he's like, man, I figured out after about two or three days that you wouldn't see some of these guys until dark. Yeah. They slept all day and then partied all night, flying all night. He's like, it, it was absolute insanity. What's wrong with that? Nothing. Yeah, I, I'm not seeing an issue. Maybe, maybe I'm a different fella. You know, no, no, no. I mean, he was talking about it in a. You know, like he he enjoyed it. He said it was one of the best events he ever went to. He's never flown a helicopter at all. He loved it. He's like, talk about the guys having a good time. You know, so well, man. I'll tell you, I'm one of those guys that I get in where I fit in. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And if it's a nice, quiet, you know, hangout kind of deal, then I'm nice and quiet. If it gets loud, buddy, I, I'm right there with you. You know, I just, whatever. I'm just cool. With, I feed off of whatever's around me. I'm a, I'm a creature of my, whatever, you know, my habitat, if you will. <laughs> well, Clay, you guys had an excellent turnout. Yeah, we did. It was, it was, it was awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, we, uh, we ended up with 64. I think I told somebody 63, but I looked at the registration sheet again. It was 64. Nice. What was the old record? 55. Nice. And 50 before that. So it's, it's steadily getting bigger. And uh, definitely getting a little wilder. <laughs> Sorry. I, I'm not upset. I'll leave the PA on. I'll, I'll be honest. I'm yeah. not. I wasn't upset. I enjoyed it. Uh, there was just a few people that that told me they they wished that we would have kept it a little bit quieter, and maybe not center a little too hard there. But, Which uh, man, I understand that, and I'm not. I'm not one of those dudes that's going to be like, oh, well, you just go home or what? No, I get it, man. People people are different. That's what makes the world a great freaking place. So. I think that's what makes Triple Tree and Joe Nall the success it is, is it's literally, it's so big that you can separate yourself. Right. You, you know, if you want to be quiet, you can be in an area that's quiet. And if you, you want to hang with the Don Hockle, I mean, you can do it. That guy will get you in some trouble. He became a verb. He became a verb last weekend. <laughs> right. Yeah. Dude, I'm telling you, I, I have a great time hanging out with those guys. Though. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, if we're if, if there's an event, that's probably where I'm going to be. I'm not going to lie. Well, he told me he goes, "You see these JR Propo shirts? Just follow us. Yeah, it's going to be good." I'm like, All right, man. Uh, yeah, just look for the nine foot tall white guy. Yeah, <laughs> super German. Super German. He is easy to spot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The joke was that he gets taller every time we say it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that dude's great. Uh, Seeing him in Clint's trailer, dude. I mean, he had like to duck down. It was the greatest thing ever, man. Yeah. It's cracking me up. Yeah. Dude, those charge cases, I think those are a big hit, though, aren't they? I think we definitely need to mention that. Yeah. Uh, and Jason Donhockle is, uh, he's really stepping up and helping us out. Him and Kurt Sider. Yeah. We had a conversation with those guys down there last weekend. So, uh, I really want to say thank you to those guys. They, uh, they're about what we're doing, and uh, and they're all about the scrap pile. And, and it was pretty cool. I'm all about those guys. Yeah, he pulled us aside and said, "Hey, give us a spill. What are you guys doing? Where are you going? And uh, how can we help you get there?" I'm like, uh, "I don't even know how to answer these questions." <laughs> yeah, um, we're winging so, it. So yeah, this is what we're doing, and uh, you just whatever you can do, man. I it's mean, like, we're just a bunch of dudes that get together and have a good time, right? I mean, there's really no purpose in it. They really enjoyed the business model, you know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think they're in. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of that, though, uh, I'm actually thinking I uh, might be taking up smoking soon. Yeah. Yeah. I talked to their team manager, and uh, it looks like it might be happening. 
The, I, ma- the Mamba might be equipped soon. What? Yeah. We were just talking about that off air and the smoke system. Yeah. I thought you liked the Mamba, though. Yeah, I do. <laughs> so I, I will say, if I do it, it will probably be events only just because I don't want to – I don't want to clean the mess up every time I go to the field. But. Well, man, with those new injectors, it cuts that down to like a quarter of what it was. It it helps so much. Absolutely. So I was talking to Kurt about that. And so basically the the nuts and bolts of that is that you can actually increase the uh, RPM on the pump. So the motor, the pump works essentially. It's just a small 2S motor with an ESC. Um and you control it with a mix, basically. So you mix throttle to channel whatever, and you run the pump off a of channel whatever, and you have a mix ratio there. So the pump doesn't run at a continuous RPM the whole time. So as you increase throttle, you increase RPM on the pump. And say, for instance, uh, they had it set at 20. At max, at full throttle, the pump was set at only 20. Okay. With the injectors, they're actually able to turn that speed up faster. So it runs at a higher pressure, and they're able to get it to atomize better because yeah, well, the, the nozzles are kind of restricting the flow, yeah. but that helps with the injection part of it. It's just like a, a paint gun. A low-pressure paint gun is just you know, splotchy and everything. High pressure is going to be a lot better. Yeah. So that's kind of the idea behind it. And then also with that, he said that now instead of having a range of, say, 0 to 20, now you have a range of zero to 65 or 60 or whatever it may be. So now you have a much smoother, linear, more higher resolution, essentially, right. uh, setting on your smoke pump. So, yeah, he uh, he is all about the smoke and oaky injectors. Kurt is yeah, – he's, he, he's like, dude, these are a game changer. And Spoke uh, very, very highly of Eric Kendall on ab- that stuff. So Absolutely. And I'm, I don't know Kurt well enough to say it with absolute certainty. But I take him as a guy that's not easily impressed. I would agree with that. Well, Michael's not kidding. We were just talking about smoke on a, uh, a quarter-scale aircraft. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I've got a an attic queen, if you will, that is a uh, top-flight quarter-scale stagger. I know which one you're talking about. Yep, and I've only flown it once, and it was scary. <laughs> Uh, to say the least, um, but I've been talking to Clint and listening to you guys talking about gas motors and stuff, and I think I'm going to winter project that, put a gas motor in it, and it might as well have smoke because it's gas motor or a eight. Holy smokes! Yeah, <laughs> I mean, smoke and oaky. I mean, it sounds like a match made in heaven. I, it's, yeah. it's all your guys' fault. <laughs> yeah, you know. We're pretty good enablers. I'll have to to buy that (laughs) brand new motor, and I'll have to go ahead and send it off and get rings put in it. Absolutely. (laughs) Got to hit Bjorn up on that, man. How is it currently powered? It's got an OS-120. Oh, yeah. You need to boat anchor. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, boat anchor. No. No, Actually, those are probably good. Yeah, those are good. It's not a DLE-20. Come on, man. So this plane is every bit of 10 years old. Every bit. Um, And I've only flown it once. Mm -hmm. And I was telling Jason my horror story, so I might as well put it on record. (laughs) Um, this is early on in my RC career, and I flew helicopters. I didn't have any airplanes, and I thought I wanted a scale airplane. Love stagger wings. Like, I got to buy it. You, get, you fell prey to the old, I really want a P-51 Mustang yes. as my first airplane. Yes. And so, like I was telling Jason, I built it just like the book says. I followed the book to the T. They recommended the OS-120. They had two engine recommendations. They recommended that one. 
I got the servos. I put the air retracts. I mean, it had everything the book suggested and where it suggested it. The battery, everything. Get to the last page, and it says, to check the CG, it needs to be this far back from the bottom wing upside. You had to test it with the airplane upside down. And I'm building on a table about as big as this, and I have you know, no room in this house. I'm like, it's got to be close enough. I mean, come on. Yeah. I, I don't have any way to check the CG. Duh, duh, duh. It wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> and so first flight I, at, at Collective. Oh, right? boy. Yeah. Quarter scale. <laughs> yeah. Quarter, scale. Yeah. Quarter scale scale aircraft at Collective, yes. yes. All I'm hearing is all bad. <laughs> yeah. So... I taxi out to the end of the field, give her full throttle. It gets about midfield right in front of me, and it goes vertical off the ground. Yeah. Just instantaneous <laughs> vertical nose up. No tail didn't lift. It didn't gradually come off the ground. It just went vertical. And I had both sticks far forward as I could get. And it finally nosed over, and I flew that thing around the pattern, Shaking like a leaf, number one, because I just knew this thing was going to be a popsicle sticks when I was done. Um, but I flew around; it porpoised so bad. I mean, you t- you breathe on the elevator of porpoise. And I finally got on the ground and didn't even break a prop. Oh, that's incredible! But I've never flown right. it again. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> scared me to death. You know who I wouldn't get to help you with the balance on that? Larry Daniels. <laughs> oh. <laughs> If you know, you know. Yeah. Let's put a hockey puck right here in the center somewhere. Yeah. Let's go to the dive shop and then let's melt down this hockey puck of lead. Yeah. This will be just great. Well, and I, like we were just talking, it, it needs a ton of weight. I mean, I moved the motor, I added a bunch of weight, and I just never flew it again. But putting a gas motor in it, I might as well put smoke on it. Yeah. And I might as well put electric start because it's quarter scale. I mean, come on. It's, if it needs the weight, yeah. Yeah, might as well put, put something on there. So, quarter maybe. scale, you're going to be running probably what a 30 or 40 cc motor. Yeah, I think Clint recommended the DLA 32. 32, I think yeah, that's, what it was. that's a pretty engine. Yeah, uh, that's a great looking motor. So, one thing about the DLA 32 that impressed me is it's a billet machined case engine. Yeah, you know, and to my knowledge, the only other ones right offhand are DAs that come with billet machined cases. Well, doing a little research, DLA builds a lot of drone motors that's mm-hmm. one of their drone motors uh and they have an electric start for it yeah so cha-ching yeah i i forget who it was we were talking about that you know about adding dead weight they're like well i put an electric start on it i needed the weight anyway and it just worked out to where i didn't have to add any lead and anytime you can add useful weight whether it be electric start or what you know you don't want to add weight you don't have to add absolutely obviously, obviously. But if I would rather have an electric start than lead blocks, mm-hmm. you know. Electric starts is cool. Well, for sure. I'm lazy. Yeah. You know. Well, and I like my fingers. Bill yeah. Perry had one, and the engine died in the air. <laughs> he just restarted it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, awesome. hey, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> got it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, at least you got less of a chance of dead sticking it. You know. Well, so, you, what do you do in your Cessna when you go fly it, and if the engine quits, <laughs> try to restart it. Right. Reach down and trying to crank it over. Yeah, saw, saw that video where that dude climbs out of the the cockpit of that cub and yeah. hands yeah. hand props it in yeah. the air. No. Oh, did y'all ever see the video <laughs> of? Uh, I don't remember what plane it was. Maybe a pits. Um, the prop come off. Yeah, it's pits. Yeah, yep. yeah. The guy, the guy was doing. Uh, 
he was working on some world world record for inverted spins or something like that, and then he's just flying, just flying along, and the prop comes off. Tink. He dead sticked it like a yeah. pro though. Yeah. Oh yeah, it, it was incredible. Well, I forty four is a little backed up. Let's see what we can do about that. Yeah, it happens quite a bit. I seen another article recently of a plane landing on a highway or street or something like that. It it happens quite a bit. That's why I like airplanes. They will glide to their final destination, you know. Oh, speaking of that, you know, the other day you and I were talking, and you said I don't like helicopters; I like planes and this and that. Right. Well, I met up with Jeff, and uh, he said, "How much time have you got?" And I was like, "Ah, oh, man, I really don't have, but maybe an hour. You know, I, I need to get back to work or whatever." And he's like, "Well, if you had some time, I got to go pick up a helicopter in Cleburne, or no, actually, he was taking one to Cleburne. So I had an opportunity to go flying in one that day." It was. I thought it was kind of funny. You and I just talked about yeah, that. I'd have called in sick. <laughs> I'm not. Hey, I would. I would take a plane over a helicopter. But somebody offers me a helicopter ride. I'm going on a helicopter ride. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff's a good pilot too, so I enjoyed it. The longest helicopter flight I've had was been with him, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was a tremendous amount of fun. The only thing I was disappointed in is it was a single stick. It was didn't have dual controls. They had took the yaw yeah. pedals. Uh, the collective out of that side. Right. Uh, and then on the Robinsons, they have sometimes dual controls and sometimes not. It's like, I guess they just take half the stick off of it. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so I didn't get to fly it because it didn't have dual controls. Otherwise, I probably would have got to try it out. It looked actually not that bad, at least in the air. Hovering, I could see it being a little bit challenging, but in the air, it looked actually not that bad watching him fly it around. But maybe he makes it look easy. I don't know. Not a huge fan of Robinsons. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Terry and I went, it's been probably a couple of years ago, we went on a ride-along with Oklahoma or, or Oklahoma City uh, helicopter at night. That was pretty cool. Had a couple calls. Getting sick, going around circles you know, over and over and over. Weather. Yeah. Like, golly. Yeah, what's the... Yeah. What's the, the Channel 9 guy, uh, Jim? Jim Gardner. Yeah. Yeah, that dude... He's got to be at least a pretty good pilot flying all the storms and stuff he does. And you don't fly. In, I've never seen flying in good weather, hardly. <laughs> Do you see the video that posted on Facebook? The glider going around the, the tornado? Around the little downspout? Yeah. yeah. That's nuts. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. national. It's like, you want to die, that's how you do it. Yeah. <laughs> it looked pretty stable, man. It looked like that guy didn't have no issues or anything. Yeah. Probably not a great idea, but. Yeah, you know. It's like skydiving in a thunderstorm. It's all bad. That's probably why I don't have my pilot's license. Like, oh, look, cool. Let's go around that. <laughs> Glider. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man. It looks like it's got some updraft, man. I'm just catching thermals over here, man. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah. Uh, speaking of engines, um, I flew that uh, SU-26 with the mm-hmm. 30cc twin, the RCGF Stinger. Yep. I think that was on the show. We had a topic about that on the show one time, yeah. didn't we? Yeah. Maybe it's on a scrap pile, but it was on one of the shows. Finally got to fly that thing yesterday. Uh, it was a little tough starting, but other than that, it flew great. Uh, yeah. The motor motor worked great. Got four flights on it. Uh, no issues, like I said, other than being a little tough to start, which could have been my fault. I don't know. But once it was running, it ran great. Yeah. Uh, it, it looked like that plane did really well. Yep. Looked like you were really enjoying it. Well, new engines are kind of like that too, aren't they? It can be. Yeah. You know? Well, and... Generally, at least in my experience, generally speaking, uh, the smaller engines tend to be a little bit more tough to get started. Another reason to have electric start. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Now, speaking of other little engines, I was at uh, Bernard's before this, before I come over to the show, and he just got a DLE 20 worked over by Bjorn. It, I'm telling you, it really seems on point. Yeah. I think it was running pretty decent on the ground. I mean, we got to see what it does in the air, but uh, it sounded good. I got a lot of faith in Bjorn. Yeah. I've seen a lot of his work, and I've everybody's been more than pleased. So Bernard shipped the entire engine to to uh, Bjorn said, you know, give me the full, the full gamut, you know, give it the full treatment. Yep. And, um, I'm anxious to see how that goes. I think it's going to be very nice. That reminds uh, me that, that, uh, the, uh, the 30 CC twin, I do have, uh, Bjorn's rings in it. I oh, went yeah. ahead and changed them before I ever flew the plane. What, what carb has that got on it? It's a Warboro. I don't know which one. Okay. As long as it's a Walbro, that's that's yeah. generally speaking, that's what I've had good luck with. So I had a couple of DLE thirties that wouldn't run worth the crap. Put Walbros on them; they fixed every problem they had. Yeah. Uh, now that was back in the interim time period when Frank Bowman had quit making rings, but Bjorn hadn't started making rings yet, so that wasn't really an option at that point in time. So, which man, that that kind of makes me think of something, you know. I know, I know about engines in general, you know, but could you take like one of these little DLE twenties or something like that and like port and polish it and stuff like that and make a little hot rod out of it? Or, or do they just kind of, it is what it is kind of deal. I don't know. In, in theory, yes. Most engines, especially mass produced engines can, can always uh, benefit from cleaning up the, uh, the air passages, right. which is all you're doing when you're port and polishing. Right. Um, in theory, yes. How much power you would actually gain that, I don't know. But, I mean, could you, like, seriously hot rod one of these suckers out? Like, run it on alcohol or something? I mean, is that <laughs> is that doable, or am I am I overthinking this? Have you seen the little superchargers for the RC yeah. car motors? So I yeah. I mean... <laughs> I mean, I would love nothing more than to make a DLE 20 just stupid. <laughs> just because of the pure just fact that... Yeah, yeah. Clint like yeah exactly. Hey, Clint, check this out, you know? <laughs> Dude, make a flying boat anchor, like a like a plane that looks like a boat anchor. Yeah. All right, you guys make. I'll, I'll donate the DLE twenty. You guys make the boat anchor. We'll make yeah. this happen. That's kind of interesting. That, yeah, yeah. So that actually, you got, you got the CNC. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I am talking to the group that could pull this off. That's all I'm saying. So me and Casey were actually talking about something that that reminded me of. Um, so we dubbed it the the Ice Chest Air Force. Okay. Run the foamies. We want to take a foam ice chest like you'd find at Sam's, Walmart, gas yeah. station, wherever, slap some wings and a tail on it, and we're going to make a beer delivery system, a literal <laughs> flying ice chest. Uh, How bad's that square shape going to jack you up, Jason? Uh, the, the, <laughs> I'm actually not worried about that part. I was more worried about the weight of the beer inside. Yeah. Uh, oh, it doesn't have to be, but maybe a beer or two. We're not trying to tow oh, the whole easy. 12 pack. Right. Oh, that's easy. Cans, not bottles. We're just trying. We're, safe. To, we're just trying to turn this, you know, Dude, ice safety, chest. Safety you know, we're, we're just trying to take this joke of oh, it's a flying ice chest to the, the literal state. Dude, that's easy. So I, I I just I just moved. Let me get the hot wire set up. But uh, let me get it set up and plugged back in. Dude, we'll we'll this, work on it. I can picture it right now. <laughs> flying foam ice chest. Scrap pile on one wing. Nuts and bolts on the other wing. Oh yeah, it'll be a hit. Bombay doors. <laughs> I mean. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I like yeah. it. Yeah. I think it's got to happen. <laughs> a big Natty Daddy sticker on the bottom of it? <laughs> no, no, you didn't say it right. It's Natty Daddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I've got motors laying around that'll work for that right now. Hey, yeah, let's do it. 
So I've, I've got, got a, I've got, got, got a big ul- foam ice chest. I've got an ultra stick sixty wing that needs to be covered, but it's in a complete wing in good shape. It needs to be one of those cheap ones like you get at Seven Eleven. Well, this one's not a cheap one. I used to work at a paint and body shop, so they would ship like all our supplies and everything in these big foam ice chests. Of course, I had a big vinyl plotter. I cut out a big Yeti sticker and put on the side of it, <laughs> you know. And it's just taking up room on my back porch. I'm thinking. I'm I think thinking. we need to get rid of the Yeti and replace it with the. You've seen the shitty stickers? Oh yeah, yeah. Like, well, dude, I got a vinyl plotter. I can make yeah. it say whatever we want. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like that idea. Yeah. yeah. I think it'll be a huge hit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you know, people will be saying, yo, you remember that time that those crazy ass dudes from that podcast brought us a beer with their plane? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? Dude, little handkerchief parachutes, man, attached to the tab so it like opens it when it pops the parachute. <laughs> and then as it's coming down, it says, bush. Yeah. Bush. <laughs> Putting Nerf whistles on them so you can hear them come down. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Oh yeah, uh, oh yeah. We, this could get real dangerous. We're we're we come up with some odd stuff. Well, hey, I had the the B fifty two. I used to drop candy, you know, in the yep. grass next to the runway for the kids. Right? Drop something for the adults now. Come on, well, that's it, man. <laughs> You're gonna have adults running out in the field. Oh yeah, <laughs> trying to get to the beer. Like the kids do for candy. Is that a buzz ball? That's mine. No, it's a Johnny bootlegger. It's a Johnny. <laughs> People out there stroking it out for. That's horrible. Yeah. Oh, you know what will happen, though? Is we'll plan it, make it all happen, and then forget about it. Oh, yeah. Just like uh, no, just no. like the surprise box or whatever y'all were going to hit me with. and then Right. <laughs> Here's what I have learned about doing this show or, or the other show. People don't let you forget. Exactly. And yeah. dude, <laughs> you show up somewhere, and they're like, hey, you remember that one time you said this? I'm like, no, nah, I don't remember that. <laughs> and they're pulling it out. It's like three minutes and 18 seconds in on episode four. I'm like, oh, gosh, are you kidding me? Yeah, I did say that. You're right. I'm sorry. I fell through on There's that. There's no uh, plausible deniability. There it's is. on recording. Yeah, yeah. It is public domain. Yeah. yeah. Dude, I'm already thinking about the layout for the landing gear on this thing. Oh, yeah. Jason's jacked over I knew here. all we had to do was mention it to these two, and then yeah. they'll just figure it out for us. Oh, yeah. Design, I'll donate whatever I need to donate. Aircraft design is almost as much fun as flying. It's it's very close. See, I'm all about the impression. I just right. want to see people's reaction. Right. That's I think that's going to be my the height of the enjoyment for me. It's like old Greg. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not watching it. It's horrible. It's it's not that great. <laughs> it's but watching watch- other people watching. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or it's me and Casey going back and forth with old Greg quotes while people stare. It's like, are you too retarded? Yeah. What's what wrong are you with even you? Talking about. <laughs> Dude calls me at ten o'clock at night. What you doing in my waters? I'm like, oh man, not fishing. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's how the conversation starts. Hi there. Yeah. You're all rigid. You're oh, like a breadstick. You got no rhythm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, and so that, this the, is the best. The, the, here's, this happened last night. Uh, Mike, so we're loading up. Jason already left. We're loading up. And uh, I think it was Mike Sterling. Somebody, they brought something over there. Like, here, you know, they were helping me pack up. And I said, yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Yeah. <laughs> and Jamie's over there, falls out laughing. She's like. I said, did you catch what that was? She said, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody no, else nobody was like, else. what, what <laughs> yeah. are you talking about? Uh, and this is what I was talking about. The show is about to go downhill. <laughs> Proven fact. Yeah, well. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we got a good idea out of it. No, that's awesome. A flying beer chest. Flying beer cooler. Yeah. 
It's a, it's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, flight tests couldn't do that one. They're a little bit more of a family show. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what the E on our end of ours means. Yeah, which this one I think we could get away with this one not being explicit. True. Um, ours? No, 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 no. It's like there needs to be another rating over explicit <laughs> for some of this. <laughs> yeah, there are times I'm sitting back going, really. <laughs> I just don't even know what to do with any of this. But people love it. I haven't checked our email in a long time, though. So, Speaking of that, do we have any voicemails? We do not have any voicemails for this well, show. Oh, man. I think we waited too long to get another one out. That's what it was. It has been it's, a while. Man, it's been a long while. Well, I took a month off. Yeah. And oh. then it's been a month since that month. So we haven't put out a show in like two. This is episode yeah, five. Dude, he got trapped in uh, <laughs> Germany. Yeah. You know, they wouldn't let him out. Yeah, he's calling me, you know, going, man, I'm, this is... And I'm like, dude, you're in Germany. You have a three-day weekend. Don't tell me this is bad, dude. It's like, said, if I was there with you, this would be epic. I'm just letting the, you know. The, the thing is, is I'm pretty sure everything was closed. Right. Like, Germany's closed. Sorry. Yeah, Sorry yeah. about the inconvenience. <laughs> so one of, one of my favorite things in Germany is the food. And everything was takeout only. No matter how fancy the restaurant, you could only order it, pick it up, and leave. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Merkel. <laughs> <That's Yeah>. Wow. <laughs> and I, I even put a picture of the hobby shop I tried to go to outside of uh, town. The hobby shop was closed. I was super bummed. So, all right, so we're at Baxter Field. When it finally clicked that I have a friend that's in Germany that basically rides in a private jet. <laughs> I have been wanting a multiplex fun cub NG to dominate the competition at RC Stoll Drags ever yeah. since I found out that they exist. Right. <laughs> You can only get them in Europe. So I'm like, why did I think about this when I found out that Jason was going to Germany? I said, go get me a multiplex fun cub NG and bring it back on your essentially private jet. Because he basically, he's like, well, I'm the mechanic. If it fits, it ships. Yeah. And I'm like, I I need this in case we have repairs. Yeah, exactly. It's nice, man. They're all closed. Where are my hookers in absence, by the way? You know? Uh, that's Amsterdam. That's oh, wait, Germany. okay. I got confused. Wrong country. Yeah, whoops. Yeah. <laughs> but. Oh, gosh. So, yeah. So then I'm totally bummed out when he's like, well, I couldn't get there because, you know, whatever. And, and then they were closed. So yeah. I still don't have a Fun Cub NG. So you're welcome, guys. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> hey, you did bring something up, though. You said stole drag. And yep. is that August. Yeah, I'm going to have to rely on my wife over there. The August 14th? Okay. Yeah, we have it scheduled. Man, I was at Sorry. your wedding. I keep forgetting she's your wife. I was hitting on her the whole time you guys were doing the first part. <laughs> yeah, we, we saw that. My bad. I apologize. She's got a pool boy. I mean, I'm used yeah, to yeah. that. <laughs> well, I mean, we saw you over there on the uh, on the you auditions couch. <laughs> you know, you like you see those videos yeah. on the dark web and they got the auditions couch? That's basically what's behind us now. <laughs> Oh she, man, her face is as red as you shirt. made that bad. I'm sorry, Terry. I was just joking. It was just a joke. It was it was made for made for podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so it's what no, August? We've got, what we've got two fun flies scheduled. Uh, our just our fly with your brung type uh, fun fly, and then we've got our heli fun fly scheduled uh, towards the end of the year, like September or something, September 11th, and then the other one is when. August 14th. Man, August is going to get busy real fast. Yeah, and then uh, Stoll Drag, if anybody's interested, locally especially, uh, I still have a track set up. Uh, yeah. It oh, takes nice. five minutes to set the track up. I've got 
stakes in the ground already. You just pop the flags up and it's done. Um, and then I figured towards after some of the fun fly season gets over towards the end of the year, start really hitting hard on the, the stall drag. Give some time to people to, to build some stuff and go from there. I'm going to see how the RV8 does. Changing it up this year. I'm going OMP Bighorn. Yes, that's that's how I'm rocking this. Yeah, and I'm honestly thinking uh, Bernard's like, what's that apprentice? Yeah, I think that's pretty good because it's nose gear. Yeah, <laughs> it tips over though. Yeah. If you remember when last time that was the issue, is everybody was tipping over. Yeah, everybody tipped over. It didn't yeah. matter if it was tail drag or, or nose gear. You know what plane didn't tip over? <laughs> Yours. <laughs> <we> know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I've got some time on the Bighorn now, and that's man. I mean, I'm fairly accurate with this aircraft. It's it's going to be good. Honestly, this Draco, I I hate to say it, I don't think it's going to be that great for stall drag. Well, it's heavy, big. It's big and it's a heavy right. airplane. It flies very scale like from what I saw, and I think it's going to fly great. Honestly, Horizon did an absolute fantastic job. I don't know if you looked at it closely. Uh. Not in great detail, but I did get to see it, put my hands on it, and all that. They did a fantastic job designing it. I mean, they sc- they scanned the original Draco mm-hmm. stuff like that. But I mean, the workmanship and the the detail they went into is far exceeds any of the other foam models I've flown from Horizon. Uh, but it is heavy. Uh, it it without battery, you know, it's you're picking up a an airplane. I mean, it is all there. Yeah. So I think it's going to fly very scale. Like you said, mm-hmm. I just don't know if it would be that great for stall drag. So we'll find if, out. So Jeff Dalton had one at Duncan last weekend. I don't know if you saw it fly mm-hmm. or not. Nope. But uh, you've seen Mike Page's videos of the near vertical takeoff where he, oh, yeah. he rotates and pulls it up about, I don't know, 60, 70 degrees or whatever yep. it may be. It looked identical to it. So I was it, – it, it flies very scale-like. So if you keep that in mind, you might be happy with it. Right. I know there's a lot of guys out there that are very unhappy with their Dracos and whatnot. And Jeff and me talked about it, and he said it's the guys that expect it to be a 3D airplane or yeah, it's a, no you know a sport word. plane. He's like, if you fly it like you know, he said it, it's it is what it is. It flies very well for what it is and what it was intended to be. Yeah, and if you keep that in mind, I'm sure you'll be fine. Yeah. It looked fantastic. Yeah, I mean, in the air, on the ground. I mean, all about it. It yeah, looked yeah. fantastic. It's if if somebody's trying to hover it like they do an extra or something, it's just not going to be there. Yeah. I mean, it's looks like it's my a, Cessna one seventy. It's not supposed to do the things that it does, but yeah, yeah. it's a scale sport so, plane, not a three D airplane. I'm not going to get a penalty for excessive celebration with it. Is what he's saying, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, had a, I have a question about the rules. Have we broken it down into classes yet? Well, so yes. But we haven't had anybody in those classes. <laughs> okay. Right. So I'm thinking it may actually have to be broke down a little bit more. You know, some 3D sport plane has its own class. <laughs> no. Still win. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Um, and honestly, it's it's really not about in my in my mind, it's not really about whether it's a fast airplane or slow airplane. It it all comes down to skill. Yeah, uh, in pilot skill, and I, the one the one race we did in Duncan, uh, along with the rules, I think we need to have an alternate track like we ended up doing at Duncan because it, the wind was so bad. It was yeah. really bad. Yeah, I mean the 
doing a soul drag and, and coming back into the wind, we had, what, 20 knot winds? Something like and that. It, it was just stupid trying to land, you know, with the wind. I mean, it just it was yeah. impossible. They were going through the fence. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was just bad. Um, so we came up with kind of an alternate idea for a track there, and it, if it were, I, I won, so it worked pretty good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was a great idea. Yeah, it was a great idea. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he said, I won by on a technicality. Yeah. You try to take it from me, I sock you in the face. Yeah. <laughs> so, now, there's, now there's nothing against flying, you know, past the landing area and doing a 180 if the wind is too strong. That's just a pilot choice, doing a 180 and landing coming back the other direction, right? Yeah, well, and what we did was uh, essentially that. Is instead we take off, land over here, and then we made like, a circuit. Instead of turning around, we just took back off, made a circuit, and we had a different landing point. Okay. That you had to meet within a between. box. So okay. you had to land after this point and get it stopped between this point. Um, more like a uh, stole competition, mm-hmm. not a stole drag, but it was yeah. still a drag race because we were having to run that circuit. So you see these airplanes take off and just do these hard left <laughs> turns and just, you know, screaming down because the, they're going with the wind, the 20-knot wind. These things are moving. Yeah. They do their base to final turn and they just stop. I mean, stop. And then they're trying to get them landed in this little spot. So it was pretty cool. Yep. Um, so I think that as an alternate track would be a great idea. Um, your idea for the centerline thrust or having one direction of thrust – yeah. I think for like the unlimited class makes total sense, uh, so we don't have some hybrid quadcopter airplane yeah. thing show up. And, I've still got a twin in mind that I, I, I want to build. I know. So, so and, I, and I think like a mixed twin master style. No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm totally going VTOL. Yeah, see but, that? Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I'm totally <laughs> joking. But you know, I you throw a bunch of airplanes in the same class like we, we have been. It all comes down to um, yeah. I, when he showed up with a 3D airplane, I was like, he's going to be out in the first round. I was out in the first round, and he won. So, <laughs> and I had a stole airplane. I mean, come on. So it's just it's pilot skill is what it boils down to. Well, and the other thing is it's a race that you really don't necessarily want to go the fastest. Exactly. And, and you know, that's weird to say that, but it's you really want to fly smooth more than you want to fly fast. You know, some of the, the full-scale stole guys, they were goofing around. Uh, Steve Henry, and I can't remember the other guy. What's the old guy's name? Uh, the Lawnmower 3. Uh, Hal Stockton. They were doing a stole drag who could fly the slowest without landing. So they went, they took off and flew the slowest to the landing spot. <laughs> so, yeah, without crashing and, and you know. Yeah. So that would be pretty cool to do. He says he you're wants sitting a beer. next to the beer. You're sitting <laughs> next to the ice chest. You chose that in this man. Time. I'm so used to Clint being by the ice chest. I don't, <laughs> I don't do that. Yeah, beer made. May I have another? Yeah, <laughs> please, sir. That was very nice of you. <laughs> please, sir. So I got strong hey. arms. <laughs> y- yes, sir. Thank you, sir. So whether you guys know it or not, the four of us are the rules committee. So, oh, I didn't know that. Okay, yeah, you, you are you are the rules committee. <laughs> oh, sweet! Oh, right. Sounds like you got voluntold there, Jason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's paperwork what? around here somewhere that says yeah. it. I know. So basically, like my big horn, I can run it on 4S, even though it's a 3S airplane. I can Absolutely. have an aura in it, sure. and I can use crow. Absolutely. Yeah, I love it. You're in, I love the rules. Yep. You're in the unlimited class. 
Oh, is that what that is? How is that unlimited? So, that was something that we needed to that clear a, up. Yeah, we talked a, about it. Uh, was a uh, stabilization using auras in planes that doesn't like the Bighorn doesn't come equipped with an aura, right? But if you use a timber that comes equipped with AS3X, would that be considered an unfair advantage in the stock class? You know, should we allow stabilization in ARFs that doesn't come with the receiver if it's a plug-and-play style airplane, for instance. Um, well, if you look at the the spirit of the rule, in my mind, was the stock class was... Take it out of the box. Store-bought yeah. stuff. I agree. And that's that's for guys that... Because, honestly, competition to me, like even in helicopters and the airplanes, stuff like that, you got to be so good to get just halfway competitive. Mm-hmm. And stuff like the Okie Bowling, you know, stall drag, you can be a beginner and be competitive. Oh, yeah. You know, and and have some accomplishment out of it. So the spirit of the stock class was the guys that bought a timber, the guys that bought uh, an apprentice, the guys that just bought something that's store-bought, turn it on, and go fly. That was the spirit of the stock class. Yeah, and I'm down with that. I guess where it gets muddied yep. is you take an e-flight. It is essentially bind and fly. You can buy, but there's no other brand out there. Yep. And not everybody flies Spectrum. Not everybody wants an e-flight. So we got to answer that question. You know, is if it comes with no receiver, it's simply a plug and play. What do we do? Does it? Can you only accept a receiver, just a straight up receiver, or can it take an AS3X receiver? You know, and so on and so forth. So, I, I have no objections to stabilization. And remember, I come from the helicopter world, which we've had stabilization for years. Oh yeah, you know, and yeah. I don't want to fly a helicopter anymore without stabilization, <laughs> no matter what I'm doing. If I'm just hovering, I want stabilization. So I don't really have any problem with someone running like an or a in their airplane. Um, where I want to see the unlimited class is somebody that shows up with an airplane that's running crow or, you know, full yeah. length flaps or doing something funky with reversing motors. Yeah. yeah. Just whatever. Yeah. yeah. You know, I want to see some, some, some Mike Patey stuff, some, you know, Steve Henry type airplanes that, you know, I want to see some, some cool stuff. That's what the unlimited class in my mind, you know? Yeah. Uh, and that's where, like I said, it just gets a somewhat complicated whenever you start talking about planes that aren't ready to fly out of the box. Right. That they require, at minimum, a receiver. Um, so, what you're saying, though, is no hopped-up power systems. Yeah, no stock appearing, stock, yeah. I hate the word appearing, stock. Just stock power systems, yeah, stock, stock. Uh, configurations, and you know, not running crazy drag brakes and right. stuff like that. Yeah, scene props or, or yeah. twin props or you know, something. Somebody takes a, you know, an apprentice and sticks four motors on it. You know, that's not stock. I mean, that's that's an unlimited class. That's, I'm, a, yeah. I'm actually thinking an apprentice with tail dragger. Oh, I've done that. All my apprentices <laughs> that I've ever had, I bought one brand new one time. Uh, for the uh, paintball wars we had, and the first thing I did was rip that battery tray out, turn it around, and glue it back in. Yeah, because it makes it a tail dragger. So any of you that have apprentices, just take the battery tray <laughs> off, turn it around, put it back on, glue it in, and take the nose wheel off. It'll fly ten times better. Yeah, it'll look ten times cooler too. Stop it in the grass is the problem, though. Well, no, 
it's fine. <laughs> you don't need you don't need that nose. That's a crutch. Stopping in the grass. I'm talking about for the stall drags, the the flipping over issue. Oh well, the t- no, tricycle gear makes it worse. Really, it rolls, yeah. when, Dude, on, on your turnaround, on your turnaround, it keeps you it keeps you hey, from twin. tipping over on landing. Your twin that you've got with no gear would be great because you could just oh do, yeah you could do <laughs> belly do, landed yeah you just do vector <laughs> thrusting get that thing turned around take back off I mean come on yeah there's a long story behind that right now I <laughs> I got to get it out of the neighbor's tree first oh that, <laughs> yeah. that try so out he, the new house huh so he told me about this plane but I didn't know that that was that one I pulled a Casey Davis with it so whoa yeah. whoa. <laughs> I've never put a tree in my neighbor's yard. <laughs> <laughs> nah, he's trying to go Johnny Appleseed on yep. us over here. So I'm currently waiting for that thing to uh, get to a lower altitude where I can grab it. <laughs> nice. Yeah, that's but pretty good. I, I see what you're saying, though. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, mine was a house, and Clint was flying it. Yeah. So... You're just guilty by association. Right. Guilty. See? That's, what, that's the name of this show. Yep. Done. I thought we was going to call it, I don't know about that fuzz box, Jack. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you got to explain the story behind that. So me and Casey's called. <laughs> no, it's about the pedals. It's not. Right, right, it's nothing right, right. dirty. So for a long time, <laughs> we've had this joke going on about the auras and the stabilizations and whatnot. And I don't know about that fuzz box, Jack. Because, man, you, I mean, generally it's some of the older gentlemen at the field. Yep. You know, they give you a hard time about that. Stabilization. Yeah. You know, which I don't no. care. I'm not comp- competing. You know, it's it's fun. No, I'm getting to your story. I know oh, what you're oh, talking okay, about. Okay, okay. So <laughs> when I was a younger lad and started playing guitar, I had this old guy that I would hang out with, and he was teaching me a bunch of stuff, man. I really liked classic rock, and that's kind of what he liked. And, man, I had this effects pedal, and it was called a – dude, it was made by DOD. It was called Grunge, and that's what it was called. He goes, boy, your playing sounds good, but I don't know about that fuzz box, Jack. You know, so that's always stuck with me. So it's just one of those things. I'll just say it in random conversation. Man, I don't know about that fuzz box, Jack. Yeah. So the aura is now the fuzz box. The aura is the fuzz box. Nice. I like it. Yeah. So I just got an – you know, we were talking about voicemails for the show and everything. Did you just get one? No, 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 no. Oh. But I did get something very interesting. Oh, geez. So – um I'll just read it to you. So, hope you are good. I work with a brand who needs podcasters to receive and review a product, and they will help you promote your podcast. If you are interested in teaming up with this, this brand and earning while you do so, message at Smooth My Balls. <laughs> so, I'm not real sure what this product is. Not today, Isis. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, I'm assuming that, it, yeah. So I'm thinking about having them sending us a care package and let's review this deal, right? Uh, what's Clint's email again? Yeah. <laughs> it is a nuts and bolts broadcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that might, I don't know, man. This is weird. So hang on. I know that he doesn't listen to this show. So maybe we could forward it to his email and then see where it goes. That would be pretty good. That's going to happen. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, yeah, that would be good. So, yeah, message I, I've actually been told that, or 
Clint and Larry both are like, oh, we never listen. No, they don't listen to either one of them. Which, I mean, to be honest, I don't listen to them either. But, I mean, I hear it when I do it. Yeah. I hear it a couple of times when I edit it. You so know? you, you kind of do. So I do, you know. Yeah. I still listen to them. I listen I mean, to both. After they get uploaded, I'll listen to the first few minutes to make sure, it, you know, it's yeah. as good as I could get it. I, I just listen to break up monotony of uh, just driving. Right. You can only listen to hair metal so many times before it's the same songs over and over again. <laughs> man, I mean, Trans Am where your T-tops off, mullet blowing in the wind. I know, man. I, I know. know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, did y'all see the meme about the guy, you know, you know, instead of Uber, call me. I'll show up in an 85 Camaro jamming the Leonard Skinner. Yeah. Saying, hell yeah, brother, to whatever you say. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, He's full of shit. He never showed up, man. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think that's a business idea. I think it would work. Maybe. Man, have you seen the price on Trans Ams and Camaros lately? <laughs> I did see a really sweet Camaro. I don't know if you saw it when we walked out of the Mexican restaurant earlier. The blue one parked under the yes. shade tree? Yep. Uh, that was a sharp-looking car. Yeah, it was. I was sitting there thinking, I know you're parking in the shade to keep it cool, but, man, you're going to come out and there's going to be bird, bird crap shit. all over your car, man. Yep. Yeah. What do you think? I don't know. Jason's over here on his phone. I got nothing. Were you researching? Got, neither did Carrie. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Ow. Oh. Oh, that's painful. <laughs> yeah. We were asked not to talk about that on our show. By who? Who do you think? Really? Yeah. He didn't message you to that. Not me. Who would he message? Who would he message? Who's his buddy on the show? LD? Uh-huh. Really? Yep. Of course. All right. Well, I guess we won't talk about it then. No, he just said that. Too show. late. You should talk about it. <laughs> <on this. laughs> yeah, he's talking about that one, not this one. Okay. He was talking about yeah. on the dumpster fire. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, maybe that was it. That's the show for that's the show name for right. that one. Good trade, Wayne Wagner. That's all I'm gonna say. Good trade. Yeah. <laughs> Dodge the proverbial bullet there, Wayne. Oh, oh dude, it was all bad. That was all bad. And we're laughing at that that's it's I would be sad. On uh, on either side of that deal, I would feel bad or be sad. You so know? dude. The worst part about it so we had to climb the fence to get this thing. And we yes. get over there and I holler at Mike, I was like, Hey, uh, go to my trailer and get a trash bag. Oh. It was, yeah, it was one yeah, of those. Yeah, I saw, I saw the, the debris field in the pictures that, man, so I know your field pretty good. Was it like over at the shooting range or was it in between? It was in the parking lot of the shooting range, yes. Have you ever noticed the name of that shooting range? Yeah. That makes it even better. It's actually called the Scrap Club. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, how did you, how did you not get that in the picture of that? So, what was the plane that hit the, the runway like at Mach two and made this horrible sound? Dude, that thing chipped the runway. It didn't just hit it. So, all right, it was a Hobby King. No, 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 it wasn't. It was an Arrows Havoc. I thought those were made by Hobby King. Well, it looks a lot like the EFX Racer, but it's actually okay. it's. Yeah, so it's like a little P fifty one like foamy racer deal, right. right? It's very, 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 very similar to the EFX racer by Hobby King, and you get that one at man. What, what's the name of that? 
I can't think of it right now. Uh, yeah. Something hobbies. It's not general hobbies. Banana no, hobbies. No, it's not no. banana hobbies. It's. Uh, I know well, which they, one you're talking about. The, I mean, they they sell the arrows brand stuff, like the Bigfoot or the yep. yeah. That it's it's made by that same company. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it was going at about mock Jesus. Yes. Perfectly vertical. <laughs> and I heard somebody say, "Hey, don't damage our runway." I blew it off. I went out there the other day, and there's a chip in the runway where it hit. So was it? It was intentional. I'm pretty okay. sure. Okay. Yeah, it was uh, full throttle straight down. Okay, so it was it was a get rid of that airplane type whenever. It was like, hey, Greg Kenya, do this. Okay. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. <laughs> yeah. it and dude, there was sound. like three different angles. Yeah, so I mean, there was video going down. It was yeah. whack. If you can imagine the sound of a mosquito getting hit by an eighteen wheeler <laughs> from the mosquito's <laughs> point of perspective, that's it. That's what it sounded like. I yeah. Bet. So Greg Kenya, I'm not sure there's anybody that sends it harder than he does at this point in time. I would absolutely agree with you. And he's pretty easy to talk into about anything. That poor Draco. So I don't. I, you know, actually, I'm not sure he's going to fly it. He, I think he, he told me he wasn't going to fly it. Well, I will tell you this: I don't know if he's flown it, but he is in town and he did bring it with him. Oh boy! <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I don't know exactly. Sorry, I, Rod. Yeah. <laughs> What's funny about the sorry Rod deal is there? It could be sorry Rod on a couple of different levels. Did you see the cub that Will got from Rod? No. It's pretty sweet. <laughs> oh, that Will, yes, that Will got from Rod. Yes, yeah. I did see that one. The, with the radial? Uh-huh. Yeah, that, yeah, that is nice. Super sweet. Yeah. There was a talk about maybe swapping, but Will was going to talk to Rod before he did. Because Greg Kenya really wants that cup. No. I, I, yeah, that's <laughs> no. what I told Will. I was like, no. No. <laughs> So if you're out there and you dislike your quarter scale cub or would like to get rid of your cub, contact Greg Kenya yeah. in Wichita Falls, Texas. He is in search of all the quarter scale cubs that he can come across. I've never seen anyone fly a cub like that guy. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. So get this. You guys missed it. And you may have been standing right next to us when this happened. He is ringing this thing out at Duncan and it goes into a half, it goes into a flat spin and half a spin into this flat spin. Don Hawk was like, here it is. Yeah. And he calls it. He's like, here it is. And dude, it was done. Wasted it. Wasted it. And it was so perfect how Don Hawk called it. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it didn't even make a full rotation before yeah. he's like, yeah, it, this it started it. to get into it. And he's like, yep, this is it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then the following night we're standing back out there. Greg's flying the cub. The other cub. The other cub. Yeah. Yeah, he wasted two of them. Yeah. And Don Hawk was like, let's see a flat spin. <laughs> and he definitely delivered. He was able to pull out of this one. But he got a lot more altitude, and he didn't take it near as low. Oh, but a couple of passes later, wingtip scrape, that one was done too. It, it's repairable. Yeah, that I, one, yeah. I think it's repairable. But so I think Don Hawk should come with uh, – a disclaimer. If you fly with that guy, he is going to talk you into doing some <laughs> ridiculous shit. I'm so impressed that you did not try to fly the piranha through the fence because I thought that was going to happen for sure. I went through a motor. Yeah. I only the, got lucky that I got a spare on in, that one. In 18 props. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it doesn't want to fly straight anymore. 
I bought, I got this thing and then like two days time, it was like not a good airplane. Yeah. <laughs> and it's all mostly Don Hoggle's fault for talking me into doing this. Right. And I got to, I got to fly it when it was fairly new. That was one of the coolest wings that I've ever flown. Oh, I'll have another one or two. One. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a wing with a rudder, dude. Are you kidding me? It'll knife edge. Oh, that, what was that one that Horizon had? Uh, striker, yeah, F twenty seven, I think. Yeah. So they came out. They had, they had the brushed one and the brushless. Yep. And then like brushless version two, and then they came out one with rudders. Well, the version two, I built rudders on it. Right. And then they came out with one with rudders on. It. I'm like, they stole my plane. Yeah. <laughs> but it didn't fly good with rudder. It was horrible. Yeah. Well, the Piranha, it it's it works. It flies good. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a fun airplane. I enjoy it. I like I said, I'll have another one. So, Mach two touch and goes. Well, it was more like a smash and grab. It yeah, was, yeah. It was more like 110. <laughs> yeah, yeah, touch and go. But yeah, yeah. I felt a little out of place because I was the only one flying a helicopter out there. Yeah, I didn't bring my helicopter. So actually, hashtag Mark's fault. Mark Nielsen crashed my 500. Oops. Um, I, I didn't give him a hard time because he was trying to help me figure out a problem that we were having with the uh, icon. Um, ironically, we were trying to get the rescue to work correctly, and it crashed the helicopter. Yes. <laughs> so that ain't right. Anyway, uh, so my five hundred's down. Um, I actually bought an Oxy Five and a Meg kit as well, so I got a really sweet deal on that. So I've got the Oxy Five uh, with the uh, the standard tail boom, and then with the stretch, and then I've got a set of five fifty six rails to go on it. Uh, Scorpion power system. I've got all of that in a box. I haven't put it together. Nice. Um, so I'll be back in the heli game after that. And then for whatever reason, I just, I don't know. I got my Mamba 120 up and running better. Um, so I had a slight issue with the engine on it. And uh, I got that resolved, got it straightened out. And so I was just interested in flying it. So I changed it up a little bit too. Uh, I primarily flew my RV8 for night flying and just goofing off and stuff instead of I'm, usually the Mamba 60 is my go-to. Um, but I was enjoying the RV eight. So I just took those two airplanes and the piranha that was the, the full blown shenanigans plane for the event and, uh, didn't even bring the scale heli out. So I, I don't remember the kid's name, but I think I scared him doing the, I did a sliding lane. I did an auto with a sliding lane yeah. and, which was awesome, by the way. It was great. I, his eyes got real big. <laughs> I think I, he thought I was going to run into him. Uh, I always get a kick out of that. I love the uh, the skid bumps or the, the auto, which I don't know really what you call it. It's just a skidding landing yeah. from auto rotation. There was a guy at the SAD Festival doing that, and uh, and it was really pretty cool. I like it. It was but fun. I like I, Kelly's. I do it at our field because we just have a pad. So Yeah. I was like, runway, here we yeah, go. Yeah, it was happening. Yeah, so I'm, I'm actually – I'm anxious to get back into get my Oxy Five going and get it flying, and that'll be my uh, throw in the back of the truck aircraft to take with me, so I don't have to haul the trailer. I don't know if I'm ready for the for the helicopters yet. Yeah, that's not. I don't know, dude. I enjoy it's, them. It's cool. I like watching you guys fly them. Yeah, I'm I, just scared I'm gonna hit myself. I can't chop my leg off <laughs> or something, that's, man. That's a that's a real that's deal, a man. Concern yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've had. We only had we've only had one incident at our field. It was years ago. Uh, we had a guy that had to go get stitches because uh, the heli hit the ground. It was nitro. The test flying was like first flight. 
and hit the ground. Something broke, and they like battery lead something that it was the charge lead was on the strut. Right. And he hit the ground and broke that, so something shorted out. So the heli just came nose up towards them, blades towards them, and they ducked behind the flight stations, and the blade caught the guy down the back. Just gave him like six slices down the back. Oh, that's Jeez. all bad. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, they, were, they weren't very deep, but they still went to the hospital and got stitches. That's knock on wood. Yeah. It's the only incident we've had with helis out there. We've had them, you know, you've been in our field. We're all oh, surrounded yeah. by trees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what I was going to say. It's perfect setup. For by that. design. Right. But we've had, <laughs> we've had a few coming into the trees. Well, I remember being out there when we were when you guys were like really hot and heavy on the drone race and stuff, yep. and you'd yep. be back there in the pits and we, you know, all through the trees. You're like, damn, yeah. Yep, those things have saved a lot. Oh yeah, you guys designed that perfectly. That was a great idea. It is really cool, and it's shaded when it's I mean, when it's summertime, dude. I mean, it's it's a very cool field, man. It's twenty degrees cooler in the shade all the time. Yep. In the heat of summer, that's the best field to fly at. Man. Yep. <laughs> I keep telling these quarter scale guys, the sky is the same size. I mean, right. Just because we know. I mean, Let's drop it in on them trees, exactly. man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so drop it in over the tree line. Ask yeah. Mike Sterling about those trees. Yeah, he, he hit them. Yeah. <laughs> well, he was towing a ball. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And he was, and he was getting close on purpose. So. Yeah. But yeah. those trees have eaten a lot of airplanes. Uh, yep. There's a few airplanes that have never been recovered. There's a few drones that have never been recovered. They're out there somewhere. We don't know where. I flew a little so. pylon, electric pylon racer out there one time. And that the airframe is very clean, so it doesn't slow down very well. And I, was, I had to make S-turns like crazy <laughs> to get that thing down. But uh, it, it flew great out there. But, yeah, you, the approach is uh, a little harrowing. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to get it to stop. No, I'm, I'm, I'm anxious to get my heli back going. I'm about to come visit, come fly up at Collective. It was funny. Uh, actually, James Squared called me out on it uh, during the Baxter Fun Fly. He was flying helis only. Or, I'm sorry, planes only. And I pretty much only flew helicopters at Baxter. I think I flew Mamba 60 uh, quite a bit, but that was right. at night. But during the day, I flew my helis. So and uh, so we were. He was kind of like. Man, you're really flying a lot of helis now, huh? I was like, yeah, you're really flying a lot of airplanes now, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we were, Terry's over there laughing. I'm the one that started the James Squared nickname. Yeah, I know. And I kind of feel bad because it's stuck. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's stuck hard. Yeah. Don't feel too bad, man. I <laughs> well, mean, I don't think happens. he's upset about no, it. No, but it's, it's funny because we have another James, James Elkins, in our field. And yeah. James mm-hmm. is there, and then James. Thomas shows up. I'm like, we can't have two Jameses. Dude, you don't You're know how James long. James two, you know. And then we just said James Squared because it sounded better Dude, than James. I didn't two. know his name was James Thomas for a long time. <laughs> right? I knew him as James Everybody, Squared for a good six months. Everybody called him James Squared now. I mean, you guys were announcing in the Baxter. I mean, I, don't know, I, was like, I was just cringing. I'm like, I feel so bad because everybody calls him James Squared. Yeah. So. It's perfect. Yeah. Works perfect, man. You could be called a lot worse in this group. I'm just saying. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, we were talking about this when we were eating dinner earlier. Uh, Jason probably knows a ton of them. And then we've got a couple of Air Force buddies down at Wichita Falls. And we we get to talk about uh, call signs and, uh, you know, kind of how they got their call sign. And that uh, typically you don't like your call sign, right? Yeah. You know, so it's it, – 
it's kind of that way in RC, not full, maybe not fully to the extent of their military. I'm not a military guy, but I mean, sometimes you get names that you may or may not like. If you get upset about it, it may really stick. And then, yeah. you know, I mean, it just kind of comes with it. So you got your call sign. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're absolutely right. It's more than likely not going to be something you like. Yeah. I, I like hearing the stories about how they get their call signs. So, um, but anyway, yeah, no, I, it really was. It was like a good six months. I didn't know it. Would, I didn't know his name was James Thomas for a while. I felt sorry, James. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, that dude has come a long way flying airplanes, dude. In a really pretty short time period. Very short time period. Well, and I gave him crap because he, when he's flying helis at our field, and he'd never flown an airplane, and I said, "Well, we." A lot of times we fly an airplane just to relax because helis can be a little stressful. And especially when you're learning. And so he buys a timber, uh, the, the one with lights. Right. Timber night. And he comes out and he's got the the flaps and the ailerons mixed to full. I mean, I'm like, you don't want to fly that like that for the first time. There's <laughs> no way you want to fly that thing. And sure enough, it went in the ground, you know, first flight. And I'm like, no, no, no let's, let's calm this thing down because it's kind of chaotic. Right. Now he's, now he's flying big mm-hmm. 100 cc's. And- I actually saw a... Yeah, he maidened, I think it was either today. Yeah, Z200. Yeah, laser. Z200 that he's got oh, a wow. gear reduction drive, electric 12S set up so, on. And it's, dude, it's BA. It's a, a Stinger 85 with the next Nova motor on it. Huh. Running on 12S. He needs to get that super glider fixed. Yeah, that yeah, that thing was crazy, too. Oh, I, until you're standing there holding the thing, just... Oh, is no that the one that only runs for, like, three seconds? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the three loudest seconds you've ever seen. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it's unreal. So does it only run for three seconds because it'll too much power or it kills the battery or what's the if deal? If it ran for five seconds it would be in Cleveland. <laughs> the, the That's Ohio. I'm yeah, just, yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, so what you're saying is I need this power set up on a Piranha. Oh. It, it's, I mean... It's like an 1818 prop or something dumb, man. Yeah, it's... Whoa. I yeah, I think it's bigger than that. Right, I mean, it's, it is. It's it's like a twenty seven twenty seven pitch. I mean, it's just it's something crazy. But the, the I think full out. What James said like full out power. If you ran it, you know, full throttle for ten seconds, it would deplete the battery instantly. I mean, it's that much amperage going through this thing. That's crazy. So he only. I think you only get ten to thirty seconds, whatever it is, of battery life. But you only need. Three seconds to get yeah. to two thousand feet. Holy I mean, cow! It's just yeah. the 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 acceleration is the, unreal. And the prop. The, oh, go ahead. The motor is essentially taking the place of a high start. Yeah, and you're getting the aircraft up and then you're gliding. <laughs> My That's high start didn't work that does. good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this thing just it rockets to altitude, yeah. and then you're just doing two hundred miles an hour, doing circuits around the field, and then you get down to. Hundred feet, and you give them a three-second burst straight up, and yep. you fly around again. I mean, it's wow, it's unreal. So does he like just one Mississippi two, like just kind of, or does he actually have it like a timer on it? Or he something? had it on a button on his radio. Uh, okay, that's actually how most of most of them are set up. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that way you can actually do it on a timer where it's a set amount of 
motor. Well, well, unlike moving the stick, I mean, as soon as you let go of the button, it's it kills the throttle. Yeah. So you, yep. it's it's just convenient. Yeah, and you're only dealing with on and off. Right, got you. And torque roll on takeoff is real. <laughs> yeah, that's that's why, yeah. that's why it crashed. The yep. torque roll is. I mean, but that's one of those things. If it was, if he would have had that like a Baxter, and he launched it, everybody would have turned and faced the field, and it'd been completely quiet because of the noise that thing makes. Everybody'd been like, "What the hell is that? And where is it? Because I can't see it." Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Satellites linking up in space. Dee, 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 dee. <laughs> we all took turns just holding it. Terry held it, and she's got the video. Um, we all just took turns holding it while he pushed the button. Wow! Oh my gosh! You can't. I mean, it, you can't stop it from torquing while you're holding it. That's that's wild. I've looked at those forever, and I've never known anybody that's had one. I've always wanted one, but they're a little out of my price range. <laughs> Yeah, I think he stole this one. But right. God. Yeah, he was telling me the deal he got, and I'm like, holy jeez, I'd have bought two of them, man. Yep. Cool. Well, what time are we up to, guys? I don't know. 10.30. Yeah, the screen, the computer's locked over here. It's probably died, <laughs> yeah. and it's not even no, recording. It, and... Yeah, that would suck. <laughs> no, the computer didn't die. You just got to have my passcode. Yeah, it says touch ID or the enter pa- password. The password yep. is password. Yeah. Capital P. Uh, I wanted to say, uh, Jared Clark, thank your wife for the pictures. They look awesome. Oh, yeah. 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 Was, dude, there was a lot of people out there taking pictures. I, man, I didn't even get my camera out of the car because I was like, ah, they got it. Yeah. Yeah. Man, there was a lot. So, uh, Allie, uh, who's uh, Jeff Dalton's stepdaughter, kind of, uh, Samantha Ford that was there, yep. her daughter, they told me they took over two, I think, 2,200 pictures, I think it was. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still waiting on those. Yeah, they're, uh, she sent me a message earlier. They were working on them tonight or this weekend. So awesome. expect to see a, quite a few of those coming up soon. So sweet. Um, and then Cindy Clark, yep. she sent a quite a, took a, quite a few. Um, Dusty Bailey, he always does really well. Yeah. Dusty posts a lot of good ones. Actually, Dusty caught one of my favorite pictures. Um, uh, it was during the Oki Bowling. Uh, Roman had the, I don't know how he didn't break the landing gear. If you know the picture, if, if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, I know exactly. That, uh, what you, it's like flipped up and it's all gimpy. Yeah, yeah. it was uh, that Skywolf, the pilot Skywolf, yep. and the gear is like out straight the wrong way. Yeah. Um, prop was on the ground. It was a perfectly timed picture. That's my strong wheel. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was awesome. So, uh, and then, yeah, definitely thanks to those guys. Yeah. Seth Cumming as well, man. I, I've never met this dude, but he's in a couple of the same groups that I am, dude. He posted up a good 10 minute video of the whole, you know, yeah. whole deal it, from Saturday. It's pretty it, awesome. It was a FPV. It was a drone video too. Yep. Uh, it was, it was actually FPV, really nice. Yeah. Yep. He did an awesome job on that. Yep. So I tried chasing the plane a little bit with, uh, Kiri's DJI. There's a little bit of, uh, skill needed for that. Absolutely. I, I have to is. applaud those guys that yes. do it well. Um, yeah, we should have broke that out. I should have tried that while we were down there. Yeah, I know. I was kinda, yeah, we were supposed to do that. I was there for the vacation, man. I wasn't trying to get Yeah, you were serious. getting a lot of vacation. I did. I was on vacation before I got to that vacation. <laughs> right. And I needed a vacation to get over that vacation. <laughs> uh, I think the cornhole tournament turned out to be a, a pretty big hit. Most everybody had a good time with that. Yeah, yeah. The host wins again. Jeez, Dude, no! Clay, you got to stop winning all Rigged. the freaking Rigged. events, man. Yep. No, no, I only won because of my teammate. 
So there was an entire round there that Teddy, Terry Wittick won. Like he scored all of our points. I just got lucky and got on a good team. Rigged. Rigged. He didn't. No. You you picked your teammate. No, he actually picked me. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'd say too. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Jeez. See, what was bad is me and Clay talked about it. We were going to be on a team together, and I get down there, and I just didn't want to just like, oh, oh, you're on my team, you know, or whatever. <laughs> Damn it, I screwed up. Yep. Yeah. No, it was a good time. Yeah, you guys did a good job. That was an impressive fun fly. It was super awesome, man. Yeah. Best one I've ever been to. So we ought to hit a few segments on that. Um, so we've got uh, Collective RC's got two events, uh, August 15th and – Fourteenth, I think. Fifteenth will be a Saturday. Yeah, the boss over there. Is no, fourteenth is a Saturday because twenty-first yeah. is a Saturday. Um, why do you know that? Um, because my birthday is on a Sunday, and okay. Casey's is on a Saturday. I was gonna say it had to be something. Yeah. Birthday. I was like, yeah. is he doing like you know Rain Man math yeah, here? Right. And, like knows what day of the week is what? <laughs> no, no, there's something in the works it's for fun. the following Saturday and Sunday. I'm an excellent pilot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Wagner. Uh, so, Collective RCs, uh, that's the Anything Flies event? Yeah, bring what you around. Yeah. And then the Hilly event is sometime in September. What days was that again? September 15th, I think it is. It's like the, September 11th. Yep. Yeah. Um, let's that see. That uh, always really good. Next event coming up this coming weekend is the St. Joseph, Missouri. Yep. Uh, Barnstormers event. I don't know what the official name for it is, but that's a uh, see June twenty fifth, sixth, and seventh. I believe so. Um, Old Daniel Lomax out there, and this, dude, their raffles getting off the chain. I saw some yeah. pictures today. Yep. So well, no one will ever beat Clay's. I mean, nah, I don't know, you, you man. Can't, you, you can't top that one next year. So, and yeah, that's gonna be tough, but. That uh, that event that's going on this weekend in Michigan, uh, MEF or whatever you're calling yeah, it, theirs is pretty dude, solid. It's epic, super yeah. solid. Yeah, uh, that's the Ducias put that one on, I think. Yeah, but uh, no. Uh, so we got uh, Daniel Lomax, Amy Milliken, whoever their club is. I don't. Is that how that. you say your last name? I'm glad somebody I, finally said I, it. I, I'm guessing. <laughs> I probably butchered it. Milk licking, li- <laughs> Milliken, <laughs> Milliken. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, close enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Milk licking. You know what's her Milk <laughs> Oh, my God. Yeah. Sorry, Unfriended. Man. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> probably going down. Yeah. Sorry, Amy. Uh, then, uh, let's see. After that, uh, Catfish Bills. Oh, yeah. Jason pulled it up. So, it is June 25th, 27th, St. Joseph Barnstormers Fun Fly in St. Joseph, Missouri at the Field of Dreams. Got the best airplane of all time, Mamba 120 on the cover. Absolutely. Oh, <laughs> I haven't flown the 120. No, I have flown a 120, actually. You flew it, Jared's, yeah, didn't you? Yeah, it flew pretty good. Yeah. I was uh, going to say, I've flown your 70. I haven't flown that, but I have. I've yeah. flown them both. So, and uh see Catfish Bills. That's the 4th of July event down at Wichita Falls. Uh The flyer on that alone, Dusty, <laughs> Dusty Jeez. made that one pretty good. <laughs> Is, what is it? The flying monkeys? Yeah, off of like and, Wizard of Oz or something. Yeah, flying right? monkeys and catfish Cooley yeah. with Bill's face on both of them. Right. <laughs> Which dude, catfish Cooley and Bill could be brothers. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, it's good stuff. So they got that going on. Uh, then it kind of dies down for a little bit until, uh, of course, uh, Collective will be in August. 
uh, let's see, September. September they're going to have the, the 3D Bash they normally have in September. Collective will have their event. And then uh, one I'm getting really excited about because it's going to be it's going to be silly on epic proportions is uh, Superfly. I'm sure you heard all about that. So I've heard a little. Yeah, it's going to be going to be good. Yeah, yeah, Superfly is going to be a good one. So go ahead and throw that one out there. I'm not sure how many people's heard of it yet, but Superfly is going to be great. Um. We probably ought to thank a few of our sponsors at least. Yeah, because I know uh, Jason Don Hockle, Fortitude RC. He they come through as for us big time big at my time. event. Yep, and for the show in general, become good friends of ours. And uh, then uh, Kurt Sider with Holy Smokes. Yep, um, same thing. He come through for us big time on the show. And oh, well, you can talk about that one. I'm not. It's kind of Jet Jam or something. Yeah. Uh, Jets over Kentucky. Yep. I've actually heard of that one. Uh, Sunday, July 11th through Sunday, July 18th. Whole week. You going to make it to that? Actually, I am going. Yes. That's awesome, man. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I've heard of Jets over Kentucky. I've heard it's pretty great. Yeah. The the airport is it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, excited Full scale runway? Yes. Oh, dude. That'll be good. Yeah. And it's my birthday is the fifteenth, so basically I'm just going for my birthday. It's, it'll be awesome. That's perfect. Nice. That's perfect. You going solo? No, the whole family's going with me. Nice. Yeah, that'd be a good time. Little Jason will get a kick out of that. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, I know one thing. That kid loves crawfish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. He likes food, man. <laughs> yeah. If it's, and he doesn't care about hot stuff. Jalapeno hot, you know, spicy hot. Doesn't care one bit. He's never really talked to me until I gave him crawfish. <laughs> now he talks to me all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and man, those crawfish—I wouldn't say they were mild by any means. No, they were—they were pretty, pretty, pretty turned up. They were good. They was al dente. Yeah, al dente. <laughs> you know those, those Rogers hot links? Yeah. So they have the. Uh... Oh, I tried the four X. Okay. Yeah. No, they're good. They're on point. Well, my son has ate the triple X and yeah. didn't miss a beat. Like. Didn't care one bit. So at Baxter, we did. Uh, I bought the regular hot for uh, everybody else, and then uh, a few of us got to try the three X, and they were pretty good. I think Casey, you tried them, didn't you? Oh yeah, yeah. I know. I know Larry, me, and I'm pretty sure Casey all were like, "Yeah, the three X, they're good." Uh, and then Larry showed up with the four X at Duncan. I like them. There, <laughs> that's that's where it's at. I haven't got to try those yet. Yeah. You have to get those from. They don't keep those in the front. Like okay. you have to. You have. That's one of those things you have to ask for it. All right. All right. You got to know it's there, so let them know you're cool. Next time I go over there, I remember that. Yeah. But uh, no. So we got the uh, holy smokes. Yep. Yeah. Like I said, Kurt hooked us up big time. Uh, Jason Duran. He's he's been there for us since day one. Yep. So Jason Duran with ZDZ engines. A power batteries. Yep. Mm-hmm. RC Batteries USA. Check the description, man. We got discount codes for a lot of these places as well. I just got my batteries in today for the uh, Draco. Mm-hmm. For them. You're going to dig them, man. I've been running. So I've got, what have I got? I've got a couple of 5,000 6S and a couple of 4,000 6S. And I, 
they, we have to be getting close to over a hundred cycles or more. I mean, yeah. for sure, internal resistance is still super freaking low. They got all the yeah, and very consistent, and all the power that they've ever had. Yep. Um, who else we got? Michael's got to know a few of yep. them. Bjorn Ball at RMJ. RMJ. Yep. yep. Ringmaster Junior. I said it right, Bjorn. <laughs> gotcha. Dude, he hooked us uh, up on later. our bit. Yep. He, he he really did. He hooked us up on our fun fly. Thanks a lot, Bjorn. Oh yeah, ours as well at Baxter, man. Solid dude. Yeah, and he's got a great service and a great product. Yep. TJ Williams at Buddy RC. Michael's got to know at least one. Yeah, he's way too quiet over here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm looking at a cheat sheet right here. We <laughs> got them all. Yeah. Did we get them all already? Pretty close. Yep. No kidding. There is a cheat sheet. I didn't yeah, know what yeah. was on this. <laughs> I wish I'd have known that was there last night. Jeez. Oh, it does say something about Buddy RC, OMP, and check out their YouTube channel. Yep. They do have a pretty solid YouTube gotta, channel. Yep. TJ's Dude, video, working hard on that stuff, man. That video with Donnie... Uh, Friesen? Yeah. Friesen? Yeah, so him and... Uh, Mick Licken? <laughs> Friesen? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, him and old Chris Barton, they, uh, they're they partnered up now. They do the full... He's like full yep. throttle full RC throttle north RC. or something like yep. that. And... Uh, that dude's a pretty solid pilot, too. Super solid pilot. Yeah. And you got TJ chasing around with quads and doing fun stuff, man. It's great. Yeah, dude. It looks They're like... on TikTok, too, man. Are they? It's, yeah, it's oh, good. It's good. Jeez. Thanks a lot. Um, you know you're, you know what you just did. What? <laughs> you're going to waste, like, at least a half hour of my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so, Thanks a lot. You're so, welcome. So Drunk Jim has a TikTok now. Oh, oh yeah. Perfect. I need to find that. <laughs> I remember um, you hitting me up going, hey, you think that's... And I'm like, hell, Yeah. I didn't hey, know it was there. So that flight that we're not supposed to talk about from that person that doesn't want to be mentioned. Yep. It has a TikTok. Does he really? It has a TikTok. Oh yeah. Oh no. Oh, oh no. no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dark Raven 2007. Hey, here's one we didn't mention. Which one? Joe Vermillion, Boss hey. USA. I was about to hit that one. No, you weren't. I, I totally was. Bullshit. Absolutely, man. I want everybody to know that cheat sheet was sitting where Clint normally sits. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Man, that the Bluebird servos you guys had at the drawing, man, that was... Oh, yeah, Michael Sale of Bluebird servos. Did you ever get those? We did. Good. Dude, that man, is that the was... craziest story. All right, so... <laughs> you showed up at dude's house like, that damn man, I didn't even know what these things were, man. There's all metal and stuff, man, going kick, 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 when I put batteries on so the story behind Sorry it is Michael Sells sends those servos to us for the raffle. And Carrie's like, hey, did you get those servos? No, I ain't got them. Sure they'll be here any day. Finally, I go look at the tracking. They were delivered a week prior to the day I looked at it. I was like, what? I call UPS. They're like, oh. And they said, can you confirm your address? And I tell them. They're like, oh, yeah. They got delivered to a different address. <laughs> and... Then I had to talk to another person, and he let it slip out what the address was, and it clicked because I knew somebody that used to live at that house. So they don't live there currently. How this happened, I don't know. Anyway, I contacted that person. I said, hey, what's the landlord's name? You know, get me in touch with them. So I got in touch with the landlord of the house of the house it was delivered to. They got me in touch with the person that lives there, and we got the servos back. Just by sheer accident. Sitting on them? There's no, don't know what to yeah. do with them? Yeah, he didn't know what they were. <laughs> Did I mean, he open I the box? He opened the box. He's like, yeah, he's like, sorry, we, you know, 
my nephew opened them because he was expecting a PS4 controller or something in the mail. So he thought it might be that. But it's, everything's in there. And as best I can tell, everything was in it. He didn't take anything out of it. That's awesome. But I mean, if I had got a like a month later, Rick's on it. I, you know, this ain't mine. Let me call UPS. Hey, come get this. Yeah. Well, they didn't. <laughs> hey, but oh. UPS slipped up and told me the address it was delivered to. Right. And I'm like a total creeper and go over there and like yeah. knocking on the door like, hey, <laughs> I got a package here. Yeah. Then had to con like go around the world like, how do I find this? I mean, that's the benefit of a small town, I guess. But you should have opened the box and said, "Where's my pot?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it'd have been like, oh, it's uh, two blocks over at the dispensary. It's dude. One thing I like about FedEx, they're a drug dealer and they don't even know it. Yeah. <laughs> Anymore now, you just go down the road. I mean, we got like twelve of those in my town. Right. There's a, at least about three hundred in this town. Yeah, it's Oklahoma. It's not fun anymore. It's just it's everywhere. It's not even rebellious anymore. No. Yeah. Driving through Newcastle, there's like four or five. Yeah. It's Newcastle. <laughs> Dude, I've seen more here than when I went to Denver. Like, when we, uh, so everybody told me that, like, oh, they're everywhere in Denver. So I go to Denver expecting them to be everywhere. No, there's way more in like per capita. There's way more in Duncan, guaranteed. They're everywhere. <laughs> it's unreal. It's for the glaucoma. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's for everything. Yeah, <laughs> you got an ailment. Yeah, yeah, this will work. Who else well, we got? Yeah, what's the matter with you? My cat oh. has feline leukemia. <laughs> yep, you need a jo- doobie. Yep, that's for sure. Oh, so we mentioned Michael Sell. We got Reddish RC. Yep. MBM RC. So MBM RC is a YouTube channel, and uh, when they get up to a 1,000 subscribers, they're going to give away an old-school uh, Model Works kit. And they're real close to it. Dude, speaking of subscribers... I approved, I don't know how, so the other day, Don Hawk added a ton. Me too. I sat there for like 20 minutes. Do you know there's an approve all button? Oh, are you serious? Yeah, because I went through like (laughs) 60, and I was like, geez. And finally I saw approve all, and I was like, well, they're all from Don Hawk, so they got to be all right. So I just hit approve all. (laughs) So if we get some junk, I mean, I was wondering, because it was a bunch, and I was like, I got through about 10 of them. I'm like, huh. Just let ISIS in. There's yeah, not anymore. Maybe. So that's what we were both doing it at the same time. Yeah. That's oh, dude, it was. Whoa, wait. We were not both doing it at the same time. <laughs> we were both. That is pre- not what I. If yeah, you just got into the group, yeah. you, thanks. Yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. No. So we were at like 700 something. Then we dropped a few because they obviously don't listen to the scrap pile. Then, there, there then we a, added a bunch more. Yeah. And, there was a day where we dropped like 10 or 12 people, man. It got hot in there, man. It was pretty brutal. <laughs> But, yeah. I mean, don't let the door hit you in the ass, you know? I mean, we would get to a 1,000 if we could just keep some of them. But. <laughs> I mean, you can't be too serious in this group. That I, that is that is like a, a key factor to this. Oh, really? <laughs> you just can't be, can't be too serious. That's all, right. all there is to it. Oh, Jason's still in there. <laughs> Barely. No. <laughs> He's like, leaving. I'm leaving now. Leave group. Blocked. <laughs> Yeah, we haven't really removed anybody. They just no. removed themselves. Right. It's dude. It's kind of cool, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel bad that people are offended, but if it's that easy, then because man, I mean, there's some fairly off key stuff. I'm not gonna lie, but it's all in good fun. And here's the deal: if you don't like it, scroll. There's something in there you'll like. Listen, 
nobody's got more grief than I have over the last week. Thanks a lot. My, uh, so I have a stunt double now. Yeah. Did y'all know that this? <laughs> yes. I have a stunt double now. Yeah, as soon as that started, I kind of felt bad. <laughs> but I also laughed at the same time. So that negated me feeling bad. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be honest. When he walked up the first time and you're like, that's what we need. I didn't recognize him. I was like, who is this guy? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, now I get oh, it. Oh, now I get <laughs> it. Now I get it. <laughs> I'm lost, I guess. Mullet and pit vipers. Yeah. <laughs> That's all it takes. <laughs> I just thought of some new guy that just showed up. Me? No. No, he thought it was legit. Oh, yeah, can I thought, you? Yeah. I, I didn't know it was him. Oh. I thought it was uh, some new guy that just walked up and started talking to Casey. I didn't recognize him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is that Clay's brother? I think that's what he said. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Uh, he got the starter kit. He got the starter kit. Yeah, I mean, he said that, and I'm like, starter kit for what? I'm lost. And then, I, yeah. then it finally clicked. I'm like, now I get it. That's not real hair. Yeah, <laughs> he said, no, I get it. Uh, that was glorious. Well, we're definitely probably well over the yeah. time that the yeah yeah, yeah it's it's uh, about it, that time. Uh huh. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. <laughs> It's as right. close as you can get to Bailey's without getting your eyes wet. And, and I call this one Bailey's. Yeah. And this one's Old Greg. Want to glow to a club where people wee on each other? If there's actually somebody standing uh, Now we got to go. Now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if we haven't lost you already, we just did. Surprise us to We're just talking to MPs. Yeah, Chase is like, I'm done. Yeah. You guys have a great week. Yep. Thanks. Fly good. Don't suck. See ya. See ya.